Welcome back to episode 91 of Warrior's Den. Today's guest is Quinn. He is a UTCAM green belt and trained with me for several years, I think four to five years before he moved to Switzerland for opportunities with his wife. He was back for a visit and I asked him to jump on the podcast. Now, Quinn is a grew up on Salt Spring Island, a small island off the coast of British Columbia, Vancouver, in between Vancouver Island, and he is a mechanical engineer who has worked on particle accelerators, and also now he's working on developing more modern solar panel technology in Switzerland. He is an all-around interesting individual, and we discuss all sorts of things in this podcast, from him growing up on Salt Spring Island, his martial arts experience, how life is living in Switzerland, politics, critical thinking, what science versus scientific method is, uh, and just general thoughts in life. Now, I thought I would start doing something on podcasts uh, that I have not done yet, but I listen to a lot of podcasts and they do this where they take a snippet of the podcast guest and put it at the beginning. It's called a hook. So I'm going to do this on this one and i'll do it on a few more and if you guys like it i'll keep going so here's the hook with quinn i think it's the responsibility of any citizen to be reasonably well informed on most things you don't just get to say well your appeal to authority oh the experts said this you should at least be able to inform yourself enough to say is that true? And I don't mean going on fucking Facebook or Google for five minutes and finding an article that you agrees with your stupid point of view. I mean going and doing the research, finding the academic papers, actually putting the time in. Because let's be clear, your five minutes of Google is not equivalent to someone's years of study and work. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you should be able to go actually look into the issue that you're curious about and find a few opposing positions. And okay. you don't all want all one side or all the other. You want to, you want to get everything. Okay, so there's a hook. Hope that makes this more interesting. Uh, anticipation, at least. And I'm going to tell you all about our sponsors, which is basically me at this point. Urban Tactics, God, turning lambs into lions since 2013. If you want to support this podcast or support us, the best way you can do that is if you're in the Metro Vancouver area, is come train with us, urbantacticskm.com. We have a free trial for those interested. You can try it out for free. If you want to follow us on Instagram, or twi- uh, Instagram is urbantacticskrabmagat, Twitter, that cesspool, is urbantacticskm, and of course, Facebook is urbantacticskrabmagat. You can of course check out our blog, utcamblog.com. And I'm very happy to announce that I'm finally getting some of my students to come out of their shell and start writing about their experiences, their thoughts, whatever it may be. It's a good sign to me that uh, the school is growing because, you know, I think you all get tired of just me talking all the time. So, utcamblog.com. Their current series released by one of my yellow belts, Ted, who's an excellent writer. He was actually telling me uh, how long it took him to become an extra... Uh, excellent writer but anyways that's the blog utcamblog.com you can of course hit the support us and donate to us for support uh, either one time monthly or yearly if you want to 
Or you can, of course, go to utkmu.com. utkmu.com is where I have my curriculum in video format if you just want to learn along with us or supplement your current Krav Maga training and see what we're all about. Maybe it's just a new perspective or something you never thought about or a different way or just the curriculum structure you want to check out. You can get a month or annual passes for both beginner and novice curriculum. Eventually, one day, I'll have the advanced curriculum, though limited access to who can access that. That is utkmu.com. Another way you can, of course, support me so that I have more time for awesome content of all types. Uh, bottom line is, I don't want to work for other people anymore because I'm too me and it, I don't fit into the corporate world. So with my wife, we now have a YouTube channel. You can check us out. Joe and John Do Stuff, also on Instagram, JJ Do Stuff. And you can check us out there. And that's more about life, not so much about martial arts or politics. I'm keeping the politics off YouTube due to their sensatorial behavior. But if you just want to see life stuff right now, it's mostly renovations and cooking, but we'll be adding more how we live life. And you can see what we're all about. So that's Joe and John Do Stuff on YouTube. You can, of course, also support me if you are local because i'm not shipping basically out of bc so buy and you need a fitness equipment jlfitnesslab.com this is a company i also owned taking the opportunity of covid so if you need barbells weight plates mats racks benches accessories uh, though there is a limited uh limited selection so far we will build it up as we grow of fitness equipment to set up your home or garage gyms. You can go to jailfitnesslab.com and you can use the code UTCAM5 to get 5% off. Of course, if you get $3,000 or more, you can get 10% off. They do not combine. Do not combine. Some conditions may apply. Uh, of course, if you know me personally, just shoot me a message and it may be easier for you. But if you want to pay by credit card, etc., or check out what we have, go to jlfitnesslab.com. Again, we are not shipping outside of Metro Vancouver, so it is mostly for local people. But we'll see how this response gets. Anyways, I think that is it for now. Again, I'd love to commit more of my time to more content and, of course, be able to hire individuals to help me out. That is the dream. So the more you support me in whatever way and UTKM, and this podcast, or any of the things I just suggested, the more time I have to produce more awesome content for your education or entertainment, whichever you're choosing to listen to me for. Check that stuff out. So, again, Quinn, UTKM Greenbelt, grew up in British Columbia, mechanical engineer, worked on particle accelerators, and now solar panels, was visiting from his move to Switzerland. So, listen to this. Oh, before I continue with the podcast, I just want to remind people one of the reasons why I do this podcast is I want people to realize that martial arts and self-defense is not for just meatheads. And I'm sorry if that offends people that some of you are meatheads, but there's a lot of very intellectual, very smart people who see the value in being physical and learning combative, such as Krav Maga or Jiu-Jitsu or whatever. It's extremely important to healthy living. 
this is why I talk about things like politics. This is why I talk about things like science. This is why I don't stay in my lane for those assholes who say you should do that. I do. It's just silliness. It's about encouraging people to think, encouraging people to not feel alone in this world by hearing voices similar to theirs, encouraging people to critically think, realize that self-defense isn't just about punching someone in the nuts or throat. It's about educating yourself against mind parasites like God's Head's book, uh, the, the Parasitic Mind, I think, or something, discussing that people are being indoctrinated and into toxic thinking patterns that make their lives miserable. So I want to introduce as many of my students or martial art colleagues as I can, who they are, what they're all about, so that there you get a sense of who does Krav Maga and martial arts, and it's so much more than just idiots punching each other in the head because Quinn is a very smart person. So, here is the intro and Quinn. Krav Maga is not just a self-defense system. It is a way of life. Warriors Den is a podcast for Kravists, fighters, martial artists, warriors, politicians, and general citizens. Consider this. The society that separates scholars from its warriors will have its thinking done by cowards and its fighting done by fools. Lucididi, your host, Jonathan Fader, talks to guests in an open and uncensored format about their fights, their philosophies, and their lives. No topic is taboo, and the conversation may start in one place and end in another. As the quote suggests, you cannot separate the warrior from the politics and the world around them, as a true warrior must be a student in all forms of art and science. You're listening to The Warrior's Day. Warrior's Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga. Turning lambs into lions. Welcome back. I am here with Quinn, Utkam Greenbelt, and uh, general, general interesting person. How are you today? I'm pretty good. You know, a little bit tired, been traveling a bit, but yeah. pretty good. Disappeared to Switzerland, is here visiting. I'm like, get on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you, of course. Um, so let's just start with your martial arts background. What's your experience? Uh, so I kind of jumped in the deep end. I was looking around at different martial arts schools, kind of at loose ends, and uh, UTKM popped up. I was like, oh, yeah, what's Krav Maga? So called in, like, oh, yeah, come in for a free trial. So, all right, oh, cool, I get to hit people. This is fun. Kick them in the nuts. And then here we are, like, five years later, yeah. obviously, as you mentioned, UTKM Greenbelt uh, did BJJ and Muay Thai kind of as little ancillary additional training, and that was really fun. Yeah. I actually think in Switzerland, those are what I'm going to focus on because, well, as anyone who's probably followed you and you know, a little bit of your teachings knows, Krav Maga should be simple. And honestly, there's not like, oh, I need to like learn these really complicated drills or anything. Yeah. So at this point, I think my ground fighting and my striking is what I need to focus on. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, we focus on it in Krav, but not to the develop like the high levels of some of those other guys well yeah exactly yeah. and like krav maga is great for like oh god i want to survive ah someone's attacking me on the street yeah. but if someone knows what they're doing yeah they probably win yeah have you just out of curiosity found any krav maga schools in switzerland um there's a couple there's yeah. at least one 
kind of Polish variant. Uh, Polish variant. <laughs> uh, well, the site was half in Polish, oh, uh, a little bit incoherent. And yeah. Kind of sketchy. But, but uh, you don't speak Polish? No, no. I'm working on, you know, the ones that are actually easy as opposed to the ones that have a completely different base. Hey, man, I tried to learn French. It is not easy. <laughs> oh, no. French, French is a... Uh, well, lovely language made by people who are kind of assholes. Yeah, well, there is that. Quebec and France have their lovely uh, histories. Um, yeah. So you're from the islands off the coast of BC, right? Yeah, so Salt Spring Island, born and raised, little small town boy. Yeah. That's me. What is Salt Spring? So because obviously not everyone's going to know Salt Spring Island. Okay, so there's like a group of uh, what they call the Gulf Islands between Vancouver Island and the uh, mainland, the continent. And it's just like, I don't know, maybe a dozen total islands. Salt Spring's the biggest one. It's small community. It's kind of like a, kind of like a very large gated community, yeah. honestly, because it's basically got a moat. Yeah. You only get there by ferry. Bunch of hippies out there, right? Oh, it's actually, <laughs> it's about... It's divided in thirds now. Yeah. You got one third hippies, one third rednecks, and yeah. you got one third rich old people who retired there and don't want anything to change. Yeah, yeah. Or actually, they don't want anything. They want Get to change it property. to what they thought it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you hear that with all the islands. Like I've heard times like it used to be like a lot of the literally where the hippies went, and then their kids started going there, or other people would go there. Then you get the rednecks, and then for some strange reason, like rich left-leaning individuals go there the karens if you will ironically <laughs> oh man the amount of like nimby just absolute bullshit that goes on like yeah. most recently there was a really good bakery on yeah. salt spring and due to covid they'd you know uh shut down a bit they hadn't got they didn't have a storefront but they were yeah. doing like pickup and deliveries yeah like two days a week maybe four hours a day just until they sold out of bread yeah like no time at all and they had licenses everything was in order they weren't breaking any ordinances they got run out of town by their neighbors being like oh it's too loud for too an loud. eight hours total a yeah, week unbelievable yeah it's insane yeah and that's like the same thing that happens to any light industry there was you might have uh, heard of salt spring coffee yeah started on salt spring you know internal to the community nice people running it all local industry they tried to get zoning for an actual coffee roasting facility on Salt Spring Island. You yeah. know, bring in jobs, do a little bit of very light industry. It's yeah. coffee roasting. It's not, like, terrible. And people, like, voted it down, protested it for the idea that it might possibly in the future be used for something else. <laughs> like, no idea what, just something. Couldn't you just make a rule, like, it cannot be used for anything other than coffee? That's oh, the you, only thing you're you absolutely it could. <laughs> but no, no, we don't solve problems. Yeah. We just say that we don't like something and then make it go away. Welcome to the world that we're in today. Exactly. Uh, People think these are problems that just have happen in big cities. They happen everywhere because it's really people problems. <laughs> yeah, no, this, this is exactly it. It's just people who've decided they don't like something and won't yeah. won't change anything. Yeah. So, what uh, you're a mechanical engineer, right? Yeah, mechanical engineering technologist to be you know technically correct. Technical technologist. Yeah, that's me. So, how do you go from small town middle of nowhere boy to that? Uh, you have the realization that there is no real future in anything kind of technological on the, on the island. Yeah. And I mean, I grew up kind of building stuff, taking things apart, kind of seeing how things worked. 
and unless I wanted to go work in like my uncle's auto shop mm. and kind of go nowhere and not see anything, yeah, there's no options. Yeah. Um, so I moved over to Victoria, uh, took a did their mechanical engineering technology program there at Camosun, and then kind of lucked out because that sent me in on a path to working at uh, particle physics lab. Particle physics, that's quite the, quite the stretch. I'm just trying to look up the name of someone because he was talking about it. I'll find it in one sec. But it's interesting you said that, um, that you grew up building things with your hands, taking things apart. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, that's the guy. I was just listening to an interview with him, and he was, he's an older guy. And he was talking about how uh, kids these days are distracted by everything. Parents are distracted by everything. And you get... When you have nothing to do like you would on a small island, you start exploring the world around you. And he was talking about how you have to take kids out into the woods once in a while just to say, nope, no devices, go. So like you're like a living testament to that argument where if you have nothing to do, you start questioning the world around you, take things apart, and build. And nowadays, people... What's the new Kardashian thing? <laughs> oh, fuck off with the Kardashians. I, <laughs> yeah. No, no respect there. Um, yeah, I, and it's a good point to make, actually. I think I do, I credit my parents a lot with sort of making me go outside yeah. and, like, do stuff. I also, I was a bookworm. I still am a bookworm. Yeah. Like, you could give me a book and I'd just disappear for eight hours. Book be gone. I'd be off somewhere in a different world. And that's part of why, that's another reason I went into McEng, uh, because you, you have... You just used an abbreviation. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm sorry. Mechanical engineering. Um, is because you get a lot of, especially if you read science fiction, there's a lot of like, hey, look, these are people or ideas that people have taken and run with and made into reality. And the people who do that, in my mind are both scientists and engineers so if you want to do that well you kind of got to get the schooling and understand how that actually works yeah that makes sense so from mechanical engineering you somehow made the jump to particle physics well it was still mechanical engineering um there's kind of an idea that oh everyone involved with high high level science or cutting edge science is a scientist yeah which is not the case every scientist has like a massive support structure behind them So my job was to uh, design parts of experiments, figure out how you can actually uh, get to where the scientists want to be. Because they they have this idea of like, oh, I want to test this fundamental property. I want to know about the spin state of this particle. Okay, um, how do you actually do that? (laughs) And okay, even once you've figured out how you do that, how do you build the system to do that reliably without it costing like, billion dollars i mean it still costs a lot because you were working on like i didn't know until i met you we have a particle accelerator accelerator at ubc right yeah it's called uh triumph which stands for tri university maison facility uh now it's actually supported by something like 19 or 20 universities a bunch of different uh national organizations yeah most of the funding comes from the uh, canadian government yeah um and yeah it's a pretty impressive facility it's uh world class it collaborates with uh, other big names you've probably heard of like cern uh there's a little bit of crossover with projects like iter i don't know that one that's the international fusion reactor the building in france um i think i just before you go on take a step back because i know a lot of people are not going to have a clue what is a particle accelerator um well 
it does exactly what it says on the box. <laughs> so we're talking about in this case usually uh, well, technically they're not protons, but they act like protons. Uh, either positive or negatively charged bundles of particles that you accelerate using electromagnetic fields to very high velocities. For example, uh, Triumph has particle beams of basically protons that uh, can move around 70% of light speed. Mm. Uh, which is impressive because anything with mass moving anything close to light speed is kind of tricky fun <laughs> um, whereas the electron accelerator that they also have there which is a different type of accelerator um, there's multiple types mm. more on that later if you want uh, can go up to around 90% yeah. of light speed just because the sheer the difference in mass is that significant between protons and electrons yeah yeah Insignificant to the average human being, but as far as the physics is concerned. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, as far as the math that drives it. Everything is falling apart. Ignore the crashing and burning over there. Yeah, you know. Just okay. knock something off. So it's, it's so interesting. Like, there's so, uh, one, one of the reasons that on uh, this podcast I wanted to do it, because I wanted to d dispel the myth that martial artists are all dumb meatheads. Now... There are dumb meatheads in the martial arts world. There's lots of them. Sorry if I offended you. Not, not sorry. Um, but you're starting to find a lot of very educated, very smart people are choosing to go into the martial arts. Like, uh, well, Lex Friedman, for example, who already, do you, you know who he is? No, I you, You'd love his podcast. He's a MIT AI professor or a specialist. Oh, cool. Um, but he did his black belt in jiu-jitsu and sambo. He's a Russian guy. He's very existential. <laughs> He's all about love. You should check it out. Nice. But you're starting to see more and more intelligent people come out of the woodworks and break the myth that only <clears throat> strong jock types can do. Although you're a strong jock type, sort of. <laughs> I, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So what drew you to the martial arts in the first place? A uh, couple different things. Um for one thing, I'd notice like, okay, yeah, I, I can be a bit of an angry person yeah. uh, sometimes. And I know that uh, I actually have a younger cousin who had similar problems with anger management. Mm -hmm. And he went through uh, karate and it actually, I observed it really change his yeah. mindset and help him. Like, okay, that seems good. Also, martial arts are just useful. Yeah. Like, it's not about, oh, I want to kick the shit out of people on the street. Yeah. It's, no, I want to know where my body is. I want to have an extra little skill set that can come in handy and also it's just really good exercise yeah i mean it says the guy who bikes literally every <laughs> hey I, I didn't bike here this is a little past my limit yeah. for biking if people who don't know in vancouver a lot of people like to cycle i am not one of them i don't know how you do it i don't like the rain <laughs> eh, it's not that bad it's refreshing refreshing yeah. i used to and when i lived in richmond when I was younger and then I got older I'm like I don't want to do it anymore but yeah it's like martial arts is for everyone why do you think a lot of uh, intellectuals or smarter individuals growing up choose to look down on physical pursuits um that's kind of a there's multiple answers to that question and of course this what is, do you think <laughs> I think it's easier yeah. in general to dismiss things that you're not familiar with yeah. and if you've grown up just always focusing on uh, entirely on very intellectual pursuits yeah. it's easy to say oh well that other thing isn't important I mean 
I do this. I've caught myself doing this with like people who went into the arts yeah. because there's definitely like, there's a little bit of contempt from the engineering side of like, Oh, you did an arts degree. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's not useful. Depends what you're doing with it. But yeah. (laughs) And it's not, you got to recognize that it's not about useful. If people are doing what they're really interested in, what they love, then good. Like I'd far rather have a thousand people with arts degrees than a thousand people who do engineering and hate it. Yeah, that is true. Love what you do, like, right? Yeah. I've worked with people who do engineering and hate it. They're yeah. miserable. Just they're miserable in themselves and they're miserable to work with. Yeah. Well, engineering, like my dad's a structural civil engineer and you guys have a unique way of thinking. Let's say you're pretty, pretty open probably because you grew up on the island. But a lot of I find engineers are so rigid in their thinking. Any idea why that might be? Well, um, especially if we're talking structural and civil, you you kind of develop that mindset deliberately yeah. because if you're building a structure, you need to follow the rules. Like yeah. those rules are the rules. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, you've seen, there's famous examples of uh, buildings and bridges yeah. collapsing because some engineer uh, skipped a step or they forgot a bit of analysis like uh, Tacoma Narrows. Yeah. It's one of the, it's one of the ones that always gets quoted in, engineering because they didn't do uh, basically a wind pressure mm. or wind shear analysis yeah which means they had no idea that uh, the wind coming through that gorge or whatever was going to make the bridge vibrate yeah. at its own natural oh, frequency yeah. i remember that and i'm sure like anyone could look up that video and yeah. it is terrifying crazy because that bridge, bridge is just, like puddle or yeah something it tore itself apart yeah because they didn't account and it's really easy to account for that you just have to actually think of it yeah yeah so if you want to know why people get into a rigid mindset it's because well if you don't you make mistakes and you're absolutely liable and responsible for them so what you're saying is if you stick to one degree and one life path your mind may not be able to understand other ways of thinking very well You have to develop that. It's a skill, yeah. just like any other skill. You have to actually think and be like, all right, I'm going to put myself out of my own comfort zone. I'm going to sh- shove myself into another mindset. And sometimes your brain really doesn't want to do that. Yeah. Now, perhaps the, the reason you're a bit more open is because the type of engineering you do requires a lot of creativity from the sounds of it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty specifically a design engineer. Yeah. Like my job is to look at a problem and then ask some questions and then find a solution. It doesn't matter really what the solution looks like as long as I can say, okay, yes, I met your needs. It's not going to fail. And also it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Yeah. Although it's relative to us peons <laughs> well, <laughs> to build a multi-billion dollar particle accelerator. <laughs> I mean, it, and it comes in little steps, right? Yeah. Like I've, a lot of what I do will also be consulting on like smaller projects. Someone comes in and like, Oh, I have this like, I don't know, vacuum chamber I want to build. It's like, okay, that's great. Uh, does it have to be that shape? Because if you make it a cylinder, for example, it's a heck of a lot cheaper and easier to build than making a, like a rectangular prism. Yeah. Just because the vacuum doesn't like corners. Yeah. And they won't have thought of that because that's not what their goal is. They just need a vacuum chamber. Yeah. As far as they're concerned, boxes are easy. Because that's how we design everything these days. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully that'll change. Um, you're talking about, because this is a, a topic of, uh, it shouldn't be, but it is because of COVID, the science, what is a scientist? What is science? 
because you're technically not a scientist, mechanical engineer working in particle physics, but you kind of are a scientist in many ways. So what do you think? How would you explain that to people? Um, well, it's kind of an interesting idea because you have you have what you would think of as formal scientists. These are the people who've made an effort to go into like a cutting edge field or a very a very advanced field. Like you also do have people who go into MechEng yeah. and um, they go on and they become research engineers. Yeah. So they become, in truth, engineering scientists. Yeah. And these are the people who are doing like, oh, hey, what are your material properties or how do these things work? Or uh, they're setting the standards by which all engineers will function. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to being a scientist that is very attached to just the idea of the scientific method. If you are able to take very good notes, make clear observations, and not try and fit your data to your hypothesis, yeah. but you know, go the other way around, yeah. then you are a scientist. Like yeah. you're not this idea that you can only be a scientist if you've been educated specifically as a scientist is a little bit warped. Yeah. As long as you are actually being rigorous with yourself and following scientific principles which you can find anywhere like the idea you can only get that through education or through formal education is kind of bullshit especially nowadays with the internet it you know i know there's don't what you saw it on the internet it's like people ask me john where'd you get this information i'm like the internet they're like but i don't know what to tell i'm like i read the actual research paper that i found on the internet and then they'll be like well i don't want to read that i'm like well then that's why you're not getting the correct information yeah (laughs) and Especially nowadays, uh, most scientists or like formal researchers I've talked to are very willing to share their research, yeah. like because uh, it's it's good for them, right? Getting yeah. their name out and being like, "Hey, yeah, I looked at this thing. I can I can prove this. Here's my data. Please go and look at it." Yeah. Is really good, yeah. and a lot of the problems with um, the way that scientific publication is done now is actually the publishing houses yeah because it's falling apart <laughs> well yeah and they have this kind of cartel mentality yeah. where like they they're trading on the name like oh you're published in nature it's like well yeah but in order to do that you basically have to bribe them yeah pay a bunch of money and like did i tell you that story i think it was one of those like nature and science magazines which most people are like i don't know what that is but it's like the premier gold standard yeah. One of them, I forgot, what, and I forgot what the paper was, but this happened, is they published some paper. So these are the ones that still do rigorous peer review, still do all this sort of stuff. And they're not just pay to access like some of the other ones that, you, hey, I pay you, you publish no matter yeah. what. Uh, and they'd published someone's work. And then when it got published in the magazine, people started reading it or like, this is bullshit. Like the way they'd done the experiment is nonsense. And the editor's response was something like, and I'm paraphrasing, like it's not our job to check it. And we're like, wait, that's literally what peer yeah, review no, is. That, you that's, fuck. that's what it is. <laughs> and that like, that is several levels of bullshit. Cause yeah. right now I have a bit of a side gig going that's editing yeah. academic papers. And it's mostly with a goal for like helping ESL people mm. actually, you know, build their rep because the scientific community is very much based in English. So yeah, yeah. Which but, makes sense because yeah. I, I think in order to find truth, you need to not be caught up in miscommunication. So yeah. having a universal language, which happens to be English, is, is probably a good idea. Yeah. I think. Now, I hope, because you know, I did psychology, and I know psychology is not a real science according to actual 
you know, research scientists, uh, I would tend to agree based on what I'm seeing. It doesn't mean you can't use scientific method in, in psychology, but what I'm seeing is they're not practicing science anymore. But so many of the papers I read were just fluff. Yeah. So I'm hoping that if you're editing, you're, you're teaching people how not to write bullshit. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's also... You got to know your audience, and that's yeah. part of this whole process is, like, I'll get sent a paper, and part of what I need to know for that paper is, okay, who are you trying to reach here? Because if you're trying to reach your, like, your colleagues, your peers, yeah. you write absolutely differently yeah. than if you're trying to reach the general public. Yeah. General public, uh, there's no reason or logic behind using jargon and, like, all of this wordy, verbose crap. Yeah. Because it doesn't mean anything to most people. Like, okay, I don't know why that you use that term. But mm. if you're trying to publish this and get, like, international recognition, yeah. you can't be saying you have, or rather, you have to bring it down to, or actually, it's not bring it down, because the general public isn't stupid. They're yeah. just uninformed. Yeah. You have to shift it over to language that makes sense in a broader mindset. Yeah. Because, like, so for COVID, uh, I would share research papers with, say, my martial arts colleagues, or I would share legal things going on. And the response I generally got is, I'm not reading that. I'm like, it's 10 pages. Like, it's not, it's not an extensive, it's not an essay. Yeah. Like, you don't have to sit there and read it all day. They're like, I'm not reading it. And I, I know what it, the answer is. They don't want to admit they don't understand what's in the paper. Uh, and I don't understand everything, but I can get the gist of it. I think, given the internet has changed access to information, that the future needs to be you write two sets of papers. You, do your, you spend all the time doing your, your technical paper for your, your colleagues, and then you do like a summary paper uh, that isn't fluff, though, done yeah. in a way that a normal, you know, average English-level person could read it and get an idea what the paper is about. Yeah. And I think the reason why a lot of people don't want to do that is because it's the ego of a lot of academics that are like, well, I am better. If you can't understand this, I'm like, hey, do you want the funding? You know how you get funding? You make sure the average person knows what you're doing is important. So they tell their politicians they want you to fun be funded. It's like a, you ever see Space Force? Space Force? Farce? Space Force. Yeah. Space Force. Yeah, I watched it. Um, and they're clearly making fun of AOC with that one scene. She's like, could you please explain to my constituents why it costs $20,000 to take an orange up into space? And the, the general is like trying to explain it. And blah, blah, blah. He just can't. He's just looking. And then the scientist, John Malkovich, is like le letting him suffer. And he's like, okay, this is why you need to do it for your constituents. <laughs> yeah. Because people, if there's a disconnect, like, you know, with the space race, people don't understand why it's important to do Yep. And uh, why, why are we spending billions of dollars? Like, first of all, Elon is spending a, his private money now. This isn't your taxpayer yeah. money anymore. Well, it is a little, but and people just have that disconnect. They can't understand. It's like, hey, you wanted your cell phone? Space race. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, it's a very human thing to, to be like, oh, well, we can only possibly do one thing at a time. It's yeah. like, no, no, we need to do all the things all the time. Yeah. Like, people... Man, I see this all the time when, with people talking about climate change. You yeah. know, another big hot button issue here. It's not climate change; it's real. Um, <laughs> it's real, though. <laughs> we can talk about that because I'm interested. Because yeah. you, you grew up well, on the island. Yeah, I grew up in a place where, like, my parents just kind of composted, recycled, yeah. and already kind of 
had a massive vegetable garden, all this stuff, and they weren't really doing it for climate change per se. They were doing it because it was more economical yeah. and reasonable to do Shipping it. to the island is not easy. Well, yeah, and if you can grow your own vegetables and fruit and whatever, yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry, where was I? Climate change. You were using some example, and then you used climate change about how people can't relate. Oh, yeah. Uh, so people have this idea that every single solution for climate change needs to be this silver bullet that changes everything and will be the one solution for climate change. It's yeah. like, no, nah, you don't need one silver bullet. You need a minigun's worth with millions of people working on different solutions simultaneously. Yeah. And we have enough money and enough people to do that. Yeah. We just need to stop playing this stupid game of like, oh, this will solve climate change. No, it won't. Not by itself. Yeah. Well, it's because uh, for me, like science, observational, what I can see, and I find a lot of scientists forget anecdotal evidence is the basis of all science. You start with that. Well, observations. And I can say from when I was a child, the seasons were in Vancouver, it was pretty consistent. You really had three months, three months, three months, or four months. And yeah. now it's like long summers, long winters. So just from a pure observation, you can see the climate change. Where a lot of people get hung up on is the words, because it was global warming, and then, they, yeah. they, and then they get hung up on that, and they play these silly little games. However, the issue is, when you have dickheads like John Kerry uh, and like Bill Gates running around saying all the dumb shit they're saying, because actually they're driving... Uh, they're, what they're doing is they're playing politics, and they're not actually trying to solution it. And I say that because John Kerry who was former, yeah, he was in the Obama and Clinton administrations, but he was caught on tape recently admitting their policy towards Iran is not climate change related, but they're, why they keep treating Iran with kids' gloves is because they're not actually trying to solve the problem. They're trying to kick the can down the road. So a lot of these loud politicians aren't actually trying to solve the problem. They're kicking the can down the road so it can make it look like they're doing something yeah. and get reelected. So when you throw those people into the mix who are controlling all the funding and screaming at people, you're not solving anything. Yeah. Um, for example, the oil thing. It's like Canada's fucked economically because of the way of people approached the whole oil thing. Yep. It's like, guys, this is our main resource. Our economy kind of relies on it fairly heavily. And while we should transition away from it, you basically stopped it dead in its track and have no replacement. Yeah. Now. Yeah, I'm I mean, <laughs> I can also speak to that. Like, oh man, uh, yeah. So, our lovely federal government here in Canada, <laughs> the, the most the, beloved government ever. That's probably going to get reelected because fucking Toronto. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's this fun idea that somehow you can just remove something, and the fact that you created a vacuum won't be a problem. Yeah. You can't say to millions of people working in the tar sands or whatever hey, we're going to take your job and say, no, you're not allowed to do this because of climate change, especially in Canada, where, you know, most people like a little bit warmer, that'd be fine. Yeah. In um, Vancouver, especially. <laughs> yeah. But you can't just do that and not have anything to replace it. Like the way to actually do that is to say, okay, look, we need to transition away from this. Here are your retraining programs. Here are your, here's your stimulus into other industries. You can't just say, fuck this industry, it's gone, yeah. and then not provide another option. Because these are people, like, most people working in the tar sands aren't evil or wrong or, like, yeah. inherently bad. They want a job. This one was offered to them. In some cases, offered to, like, 
in high school. Yeah. And who the what kind of seventeen or eighteen year old is going to give up like hundreds of thousands yeah. of dollars a year? For, Which they all spend on hookers and blow. But you know. <laughs> well, you know what? You're seventeen or eighteen. What the heck else are you thinking yeah. with? Um. And that's the thing. You've got to actually provide an alternative. You can't just say this is done, screw you. Yeah. Because, yeah, exactly that. You're going to screw your economy. You're going to create this massive resentment and this hostility towards, well, scientific fact, um, which is stupid. Yeah. Like, okay, you accept that climate change is real. You don't say, hey, we're just going to screw over an entire class of people because we think climate change is bad. Yeah. You say, these people could be a driving force behind actually transitioning our economy. We're going to invest. Maybe we're going to go into debt to train them into different industries. Yeah. That will pay off. Educating people and giving people skills pays off. This is not hard math. Yeah. It's just lo- more long-term than any politician will ever think. Yeah. It's like, uh, this gets, a lot of people might not know what I'm talking about, but the whole learn to code thing. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Man, did they screw that up. Uh, who's, who originally said that? Someone I, I respect. It was an intellectual, uh, like a Silicon Valley intellectual, I'm blanking on his name, who, who said learn to code. Um, what I believe they really meant was you have to learn the fundamentals of everything and learn how it works in order to learn and grow and develop. And then all the politicians are like, it literally means learn to code or the future is encoding. And now they... It was a huge thing on Twitter, which needs to die, that cesspool of nonsense. Um, They're just like, you're a coal miner. Uh, You need to learn to code. I'm like, hey, a third-generation coal miner is probably not going to learn to program. You need to stop saying that. You need to give them an alternative that's more in their wheelhouse, something uh, mechanical, blue-collar and oriented. And then I think you're getting a lot of people, the elites or uh, eco-douchebags, like I'm, I'm all for uh, transitioning, but to you know, eco-friendly stuff. But that there's a way to do it, yeah, and a way not to do it. And they're, and they're just like, okay, so you want to shut down the coal industry, which is probably a good idea. But what's your plan? Same thing. Yeah. And I think it was only seventy thousand jobs in the in the U.S., which is actually not a lot compared to say the oil industry in Canada, yeah, which is probably a, few, a million jobs or something uh, with all the subsidiary yeah, yeah, ancillary. But nobody wants to sit down and make a plan. And then you find out the Canadian oil industry, for example, is uh, the reason why we never built refineries here is because the American Texas oil companies were blocking it. And actually, a lot of the pipeline protests were funded by American oil companies. Yeah. (laughs) And like, oh, man, there's all kinds of little proxy things like that. And of course, because of very well, mostly because of money. Yeah. Nobody's ever going to build a refinery in Canada. Yeah. It's, at this point, it's not happening. It's sure. not happening at all. It should have happened like 40 years yeah. ago. Actually, yeah. it should have happened around the, you know, the end of the Second World War. Yeah. Just kind of like, well, okay, that's a whole other thing about how North America's industry wasn't screwed. Europe's was. Yeah. It was a huge opportunity for Canada. but eh. Canada had boring politicians back then. <laughs> well, Canada was and still is a natural resource extraction economy for yeah. the most part. And they didn't, there was no real impetus to transition and diversify, which, I mean, the U.S. kind of went ham on that. The fact that they took what they built during World War II and just, like, ran with it is fantastic. It was only, like, I don't know, relatively recently that they screwed that up. Yeah. 
It was the 70 oil crisis, hilariously, and then they shipped off a lot of manufacturing. Yeah, just, you know, export all your, you know, lower level but still good jobs to other places because money. Now it's hard to bring them back because the cost of workers is so expensive and people yeah. don't realize. You know, if you keep bringing up the minimum wage because I, it's politicians or people don't realize that the reason everything's getting more expensive is a lot to do with policy. Yep. And they don't want to admit it's actually the government's making. Yes, there is the supply and demand thing, which will drive it up. Yes, there is inflation. But a lot of the extra costs is policy that is attempting to fix things, but it's just making things worse. Yeah. And I mean, there are several ways that policy could help solve things like, okay, housing. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe don't let corporations come in and buy entire neighborhoods out from under people. Like Richmond, there was some billionaire came in and well, yeah. just bought up a huge section of like, the city. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, how the fuck do you justify allowing that? Yeah. And it's, well, anywhere in the world, like, for example, I'm living in Switzerland. The general policy there is if you don't live there, you don't get to own property. Yeah. That's racist according to Canadians. <laughs> well, no, it's not. Like, me saying, hey, if you don't live here, you shouldn't own property is not, I am in no way targeting an ethnic group. I'm not saying any yeah. specific group. Frankly, there's a lot of Americans who come up here and own Bye. property, yeah. and they're pretty similar to me ethnically. Yeah. And I still don't like it. Yeah. I'm not saying, oh, hey, you know, mainland Chinese are terrible. Like, no, they're not. They're just people. They yeah. want to go somewhere safe and clean, and I completely <laughs> understand that Canada's kind of awesome that way. Yeah. But... Uh, we like to live here too, yeah. and you coming in with more money than we will ever see, yeah. and basically holding a place empty for yourself, yeah. isn't good for anything. You know, it's hilarious. And no, so in Vancouver, for those who don't know, it is predominantly wealthy Chinese people driving it up. But again, it's not an ethnic thing because let's say you go to Israel, the property value is going up because the wealthy American yeah. Jews are driving. So it's it's foreigners <clears throat> with money coming in and driving property value up, and not then contributing to the overall society. Um, so the BC government previously implemented like the empty tax, ho uh, empty home tax. If you don't have renters or you don't have, or if you're not living in the property, you have to pay this ridiculous tax. And it is ridiculous because a lot of the people are so wealthy, they'd rather pay the tax and not rent. Yeah. Uh, and also then we have insane renter laws in BC, which protect just total garbage people who are ruining properties. And that's why no one wants to rent to people. I, I can speak from personal experience. But the thing is, it wasn't even that that slowed the house market down. It was actually what the Chinese government did because they're desperately trying to keep people from fleeing. So yeah. they started locking down the money in China. So all of a sudden it's getting harder and harder for these people to get money out of China. And that's what slowed down the market originally. <laughs> Not our own government. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, look at what we did. It's like, you didn't do anything. You just actually made the rental market harder, guys. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, people will take credit for anything they can. It looks like it might be their doing. Well, it's like misassociation. It's like the mask thing for COVID. Has anyone actually done any significant looking into if this actually stops this pandemic or even slows it down? No, because they don't want to touch it with a 20 million foot pole. But I don't based on I didn't know this. So I remember early on I was saying wear masks. That's I was saying that because I wasn't sure. And for me, I'm like, if they don't know yet, it might be a good idea. Yeah. Then I found out 
there is over a hundred studies globally that basically says, and globally means it's been done in multiple countries with multiple ethnic groups, that, hey, guess what? Masks don't really work for coronaviruses. They don't really work that well. Now, <clears throat> if you're going into a store for 15 minutes, yeah, it actually might. That's uh, the exposure, exposure limits and stuff. Um, but if you're in an office building for eight hours with recirculating air, yeah. not really. Um, and then I looked at Taiwan. People would point to Taiwan earlier. So what Taiwan did early was what everyone should have fucking done, which was, hey, we have our 2004, 2005 plans from SARS-CoV-1. Mm-hmm. Let's implement it. So every Western government is a liar when they're like, we don't know what to do. It's like you literally had... You wrote this you, document. You wrote these documents. You literally didn't follow them because you wanted your ideas. So Taiwan implemented it, and one of the one was you need to close the borders you, you, until at least you can uh, sort things out. So Taiwan did really good early on. Now we're finding out they had an outbreak recently. Now, Western governments were saying originally, well, in Asian countries, they do what they're told. They're doing what they're told. That's why they're doing better. It's like, no, it's because their governments followed the plans, idiots. But now they're having an outbreak. So here's a population that I know is wearing masks religiously, and they're actually ratting each other out like 1984 style if you don't follow the rules, which is a whole nother problem. But it shows the masks don't stop the spread in, in on mass. Yeah. You can actually see these and they'll be like, that's not a, that's not a you know, double blind placebo effect study, but I don't need to. It's not stopping the spread. Now you go back at the beginning of the pandemic and you listen to virologists and immunologists and what were they saying? Now, what were they saying is eh, this is a coronavirus. There's not much you can do. You're going to have to deal with it. Now, I think that was a bit too cavalier, too cavalier, because you do need to shut down just to allow time for the system to be able to handle the yep. load. Here's the thing. They shut down and the governments didn't do anything to boost the system. <laughs> Like what the f- so everyone everywhere just completely fucked up, and I'm just like I don't know what to do. And now we're we're barreling towards 1984 or a brave new world or whatever you want to do, and it's terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's kind of an interesting. Uh, do you have to go at a certain time, or no? I'm just I check my phone. That's oh. what I do. You're an addict. Yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> issues. I know. Um. looking at it and then there's also some of the same people who are I, I don't know militantly against following government government regulations which sometimes some regulations are good let's let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater limited here. regulations well having you know kind of a supposedly disinterested third party that goes hey no your building actually needs to be yeah. you know up to code um the idea that you can just disregard government regulations and then scream about the medical system being overloaded and it's like well okay you spent i don't know the last 10 years saying oh we should uh, defund medicare in canada which yeah. is i'm not going to claim the canadian system is wonderful i am going to say it does a pretty good job of handling a lot of emergency cases it means the that big it, five yeah uh, break broken it. bones is great at that yeah stuff. it's good at that it's not great at like specialized care and getting you your tests <clears throat> rapidly because frankly the way it's done needs to be overhauled it needs frank like a lot more funding because yeah. we don't pay doctors particularly well it's well. two things it's the funding they need more funding uh and the doctors need to change their fucking attitudes they're kind of corrupt here <laughs> well they yeah i get what you mean yeah. i also have a couple of friends who've just finished medical school yeah. and are starting their careers yeah and 
you're right. Doctors do make a fair amount of money. They're also in the way. That's not what I'm talking about. Well, yeah, fair enough. There's also (laughs) some other issues. I'm assuming that my friends are good doctors. They seem nice. I'm a little biased. Fair enough. But they do have a point. They're paid out by the number of visits they have, the number of patients they see, which is insane simply because you think about that. Okay, so you're incentivizing someone to see as many people an hour, not solve their problems, not find out what's actually wrong, just see as many people as they can, Yeah, which is freaking stupid. Yeah. Because you're saying, okay, don't don't solve anything. Give this person an opiate. Give them like, I don't know, make them fight to get a basic referral to physio if they have a like a, a joint problem, yeah. which is stupid. Yeah, because physios are fantastic. Like the, all of the depends on what they are doing. But yeah, true. <laughs> but the kind of the peripheral uh, medical system, like the your massage therapist, your physio, yeah. your kins, kinesiologists. Um, chiropractors to a degree some of them are insane some yeah. of them are good <laughs> they don't do scans they're crazy yeah but the peripheral medical system and the preventative medical system is something that can a it can lower medical costs overall because preventing issues is a lot cheaper yeah and b you should it should be easier to get referred to specialists yeah. because your gp is overworked they don't really know what they're doing for everything because they can't. The, the The spectrum of medical issues is so large and so diverse and in-depth. Yeah. No like general practitioner is ever going to be able to say, I know exactly what's wrong. I can diagnose this myself. we don't have Dr. House everywhere? <laughs> no, because, I mean, it's a lovely idea, and it would be great if you did, although he is an asshole. Um, I'd rather have him, though. <laughs> well, fair. You could have, if you could have him everywhere, that would be better for everyone. But diagnosis is a complicated and long process, which no, like, standard, your GP will be able to do by themselves, generally. Unless they specialize in something, it's like, oh, you happen to walk in with, oh, yes, I did a a locum on that, or I did, like, a, a residency, and I saw this exact problem, I can help you. Yeah. If they do, great. But if it's something different that requires tests, like... You need to actually give them the time to figure out an idea of what's wrong and then also support the, hey, process of going to a specialist and actually doing the tests and, like, figuring out what's wrong. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's like if we – everyone – the the dream of medicine is the uh, Star Trek tricorder. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, we can just scan and figure it out. And I'm – Unless we can solve the ego of the system and change it, I really think the frontline doctors are going to start ending up being more machine because it's like scan, go. Yeah. Because then it's like scan, go to this place, scan, go to that place. Because And the other thing is if a doctor's overworked, they're going to make mistakes. Like nobody wants to talk about medical mistakes. Yeah. Because it, it's happens. A couple hundred thousand people a year in North America alone die because the doctor's overworked, they're tired or, or whatever. Uh, imagine what would happen if we published those numbers daily, just like we did COVID number. I think we would get changed pretty rapid. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but they don't want to admit that. But, you know, uh, why I bring the tricorder up and sort of going back to science is I think a, a lot of the scientific world and a lot of the medical world and a lot of uh, nerds, per se, very much want the Star Trek world to happen. And you see this throughout uh, a lot of 
creations, like a lot of inventions. I mean, cell phones. Yeah, I wanted to make that happen. And I always think it's funny because it's like the South Park episode, early one with the uh, underpants gnomes, where they're like, you know, first step, underpants, second step, uh, third step, profit. And I'm like, I find with some of the policies, it's that. It's they really desperately want the Gene Roddenberry idealistic world to happen, but they don't know how they're going to get there, and they're just experimenting on the general public. Well, something (laughs) that uh, seems to get overlooked in that is that the Gene Roddenberry, you know, utopia happened after in that in canon their third world war yeah it happened after a major nuclear exchange kind of wiped out a lot of the population yeah which yeah turns out you can run a utopia when you have like i don't know a hundredth of the people left and guess what nobody really wants to start chucking nukes again yeah well we barely even were chucking nukes (laughs) okay well we're we're, testing them yeah. yeah we're still talking in canon star trek here yeah oh i see yes that's true yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, that's just the thing. They say there's too many people. What do you do with that problem? <laughs> um, well, the thing is, there aren't really too many people. There's kind of a lot of misallocation and wastage of resources, yeah. which leads to people saying that. It's like, well, not not really. You yeah. just kind of need to stop wasting half the food because it looks funny. Yeah. Or, you know producing things that everyone doesn't need and then basing your economy on that yeah like i'm not consumer see that capitalism is not the problem consumerism yeah is and people seem to have a hard time like uh, breaking those two things apart yeah and it's actually one of the reasons well i have a problem with what's happening these days with greenwashing everything oh yeah um but it's a green box it must be good for you yeah well people also, the idea that somehow it's the individual citizen that's responsible for climate change. Yeah. Like, no. No, it's it's more or less, you know, the 100 corporation story. Or, yeah. It, that's fairly accurate. Like, these are the people who extract resources, spend a lot of their money marketing products to us that we don't really need, and then turn around and say, we're bad for buying the product or buying the product and its packaging and, like, not knowing how to deal with single-use plastic, yeah. which nobody knows how to deal with it. It's terrible. Ooh, they might have, with the, the mushrooms, they might have found some yeah. fungi that can do that. That's pretty cool. But it, it's like electric cars, gas cars. Now, one of the reasons we should probably move towards electric cars is because, actually, it's not great for our health being in a smoggy. Bingo. That's actually the real reason. Because if you're in, like, a Hong Kong with oh, the cars, yeah. it's, like, a disaster. A lot of the reasons people are sick in these places is the air quality. But getting rid of cars is a f- tiny fraction, gas cars, I should say, of what's causing overall global warming. Can we talk about the shipping and the airlines? Oh, yeah. And let's why talk we're about not changing those first? Because those are a bigger... Yeah, <laughs> well, let's talk about steel production. Let's yeah. talk about cement production. Yeah. Let's talk about just the cost of shipping our food across the world. Let's, yeah. like... And even then, even talking about, like, passenger airlines. Yeah. Well, okay, not that bad. Let's talk about cargo airlines. Yeah. Let's talk about the fact that Amazon, by itself, yeah. is becoming, like, nah. a major... Well, now. Yeah. contributor and then saying oh yes we'll we'll put your uh we'll put your package in you know all paper packaging like fuck off yeah. i didn't need this you the sold giant it to box me. with nothing in it yeah like <laughs> oh good you sent me a cell phone in a like meter meter cube box why did you do that yeah it's probably some guy is like oh this is the box go 
But like that's what you're talking about is this it's they are gaslighting the public and yeah. blaming the public. And the governments are doing that too. Everyone at the top with power is gaslighting the public yeah. constantly about basically everything because they don't want to take responsibility. No, they don't want to be the ones to step forward and say, Hey, no, like we're not gonna let this happen anymore. Yeah. It was like, you know, the whole, I thought it was hilarious, the, the Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk space race oh, thing fuck. and how Jeff Bezos is being a baby about how he didn't get the NASA contracts. It's like, hey, you do realize that Elon's design is better because it's a fucking reusable rocket and yours is not. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's just start with that. <laughs> yeah. And like, I'm not the biggest fan of Elon Musk. Just... Why not? He's a dick, and he manipulates stock markets using social media, and it's kind I of a stupid... Well, <laughs> sure, it's hilarious, but it's also a stupid fucking thing to do. Yeah. And, yeah. Just See, don't. I actually don't have a problem with that, because I think he's trying to make a point. Well, stock markets are manipulated by it's, everyone all the time. That's what the... And you're seeing that... Have you been following the AMC thing? Oh, fuck. I, I actually... I own a few yeah, GM, GME yeah. GameStop yeah. shares yeah. just because that's... It's fucking fun. yeah. funny. I have five AMC just for the hell of it. Like, I don't care. Like, I, I can ride it. It's, like, not a big deal. Just for fun. If it yep. goes up to whatever they're saying, it's, I'm like, sweet. Um, what the fuck is a dark pool? And I'm like, yeah. wait, what? You're allowed to do that? P -p pardon me like what so for anyone who doesn't know it's these meme stocks where basically you have short sellers which i th i know there's an argument for short selling i don't agree with short selling because either you value a stock or you don't that's the way i think it should be i value this company or i don't end of story yeah. and if it's overinflated well then it's overinflated um so basically the short sellers are betting on stocks that they think are overvalued and they want it to crash and burn and then uh, the uh, Wall Street Bets was a sub red Reddit sub -reddit. for it that was like, this is ridiculous. We're going to take what is the most shorted stock? And it was GME, formerly uh, Electronic Boutique and all this. Now it's a, a video game store. And they started buying so much that their algorithmic system, which is all computers, they're all using computers to invest. So us retail investors can't keep up. And it just screwed their algorithm. And it basically jacked the price from like i don't know five bucks to three four hundred yeah, dollars two dollars and it bankrupted a couple short sellers and big uh firms and now they tried to do it again with another one with yeah. uh, amc which is a movie company uh which actually the retail sellers have probably saved amc as a company probably and uh <clears throat> you're seeing how desperate yeah these douchebags in wall street are to not let it happen to this stock because then more of them will go bankrupt yeah. and they're doing stuff that it's like how is this even legal why are they allowed like they're investing the stock market closes and investing is still going on yeah in these not public trading forms. well yeah which are supposed to be used for like oh you had orders that weren't finished at the end of the day all right deal with it process it get it done because yeah. because it happens like you have billions of orders per day or probably more actually and you don't get through them all. Even with a computerized system, it yeah. can only go so fast. So you want to settle them out and get them done. That's why you have pre and post market trading, as yeah. far as I know. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. It's not supposed to be basically market makers after the time going like, okay, how can we shuffle this around so we don't... Trade back and forth with each other to make well, it yeah. so it doesn't do what everyone wants it to. <laughs> well, because they, they fucked up. And yeah. now it's just an emperor has no clothes situation. We're like, huh, you're naked. And... What are you going to do? And yeah. it turns out what they're going to do is just keep kicking this can down the road yep. and hope everyone doesn't pay attention. But see, that's why I think, I honestly think Elon's playing like fucking 10D chess because he's doing this shit just to show 
Like he, he could just be fucking around because it's funny for him. But sure. I, I honestly think a lot of what he's doing is to call bullshit on all these dickheads and just prove a point. Because, um, like, you know, a lot of the things he's single-handedly doing things like electric cars would not be moving where they are without him because the auto industry. So I know about this a little because my uncle was like hardcore electric car guy. All like always been, he had electric cars before they were cool and you know, wealthy guy. Also, I think mechanical engineer loves this shit and uh, he was following the story and you just saw when electric cars, when Elon was trying to start GM Chrysler, the big automakers were paying off their politicians to shut this down and they were coming up all sorts of bullshit just like china was with their stupid oh the cars are catching on fire no they're not no like what the fuck are you saying or doing and they were coming up with all this bullshit even though mathematically the electric cars were safer uh to shut this thing down and i think elon has after that whole experience has taken a personal vendetta against the system to break it and show them that he can do it. Fuck you. You're not doing anything. You're just a, all a bunch of greedy assholes who want to stick it, stick the way you are, like all these elite wealthy people yeah. that just don't want to change. And I think a lot of what he's doing is that. So when he's manipulating the market, it's recently, I think it's to fuck with China more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, whether this is him fucking around or he just sees things in a different way. I think from what I've heard about it, people who know him like I've listened to lots of interviews of very connected people very intelligent like Peter Thiel his former business partner is like they're like he's the smartest guy in the room doesn't matter who's in the room he's the smart he's like on the next level so it is possible he is it's just easy for him to play these 4D chess games Mm -hmm. because he is like that so I look at what he's doing as he might be fixing the problems because he's like pulling pulling the curtain away from Oz basically yeah and that's fair I just Man, he's, I still get, I get, I, he's still a dick <laughs> and i get sick of the oh papa elon memes it's like <laughs> oh god that is fucked up the guy's still a billionaire you don't need your adoration well he has a cult following obviously i know <laughs> i i have severe issues with cults yeah yeah but i mean between the two him and uh jeff bezos i'd rather elon be in charge oh sure hey. i just generally speaking i don't think anyone should any one person should not be in charge. Well, of course, yeah. One person in charge. We need the council of elders. <laughs> well, mostly we just need a bunch of carefully balanced opposing forces because that's how the general population gets a better deal. You know how you do that? Decentralized power. Decentralized power. Oh, yeah. Decentralized. I'm all for it, honestly. <laughs> that's uh, why the EU is going to fail. That's why all these people trying to centralize power in Washington are going to have it fail. It's going to collapse because it's Hunger Games, basically. <laughs> well, and also, like, related to that people really need to start taking an interest in their local like governance and their municipal stuff even lower than that like school board yeah um i'm kind of interested in that because my uh my sister in or well my sisters in victoria have their kids in the victoria school district Mm. and they have had just a fun time with their budget recently yeah where they were like oh well we're gonna cut like all the music programs <laughs> right they constantly do that in school yeah which okay what the fuck and also and then there was a bit where they came out and they said well we're gonna cut them because you know like the indigenous kids they don't use those programs I'm like okay motherfucker you just tried <laughs> to pit native kids against white kids yep. as your like budget argument and of course left wing nut jobs I have for lack of a better word left wing nut jobs who just want to like 
they're trying to do something, but they're making it worse for everyone, and it's like you're all yeah. nuts. <laughs> and then of course, like the uh, the four houses, which is the native bands that are present in around in and around Victoria, yeah, um, came in and said like, "What the fuck? Yeah, like no, this is don't don't put this on us. Well, don't put this on us, and also don't try and claim that somehow your governance has been so good. Yeah, because it hasn't. This is like the school board of trustees who have not paid attention to what their budget managers are doing yeah not and they and then they're like oh well there's a magic massive budget shortfall well okay do these you know managers do these bureaucrats need like fifty thousand dollar paid business vacations every year no they fucking don't and when you have like dozens of them that adds up and you're trying to say you can't hire more teachers and teachers need to work through their lunch breaks yeah fuck when you look at where all the money is going, it's going into bureaucratic administration in almost every system now. Yeah. And that's, you know, the systems become their own thing yeah. where they just start trying to support themselves well, at the expense of what they were created for. Yeah, the general quote is the bureaucracy is expanding to meet the needs of the expanding bureaucracy. Yeah. Like, oh, good. And it's, it's obvious to everyone and no one's doing anything to stop it. Well, yeah. And the amount of stonewalling that happens that's just like, apparently legal like yeah. okay w- wait you mean you're not gonna go through the budget line by line you're just gonna claim this is valid yeah it would, like so in canada we uh we have our parties so i was supportive when the conservatives were electing a new leader i was supportive of uh, uh what the hell the defense former defense minister uh, yeah i don't remember anyways um he if he'd got in he would have done better then O'Toole. O'Toole, they're just another idiot that they keep putting in, in the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, because why, one thing that is a consistent indicator of whether someone's going to win or not is name recognition. Yeah. And the, the former defense minister had a pretty <clears throat> decent record for a politician. Over, he, it wasn't perfect, but decent. People knew who he was. He was a good-looking guy, uh, pretty in shape. Yeah. But I think the reason why the Conservative Party rejected him he actually got third most votes uh, was because he was defending the bureaucracy. And the majority of conservative voters in Canada actually are not the right-wing religious people everyone thinks. They're mostly libertarians now. And you know this by the fact that when Bernier, Maxime Bernier ran uh, two cycles prior, he actually got, the, he got 45% of the vote in the first round. Yeah. And it was the political machine that got him to lose. They played around with the votes. Um, so that tells you that actually the majority of conservative voters in Canada are not the old school right wing religious nuts. The yeah. media focuses on those people to create the narrative, but it's actually most people like me, which is like, I want small government and I want people to back off and I want you to decentralize shit. And so uh, when the former defense minister was defending the bureaucracy and the bureaucrats and the bloated government, I think that's why he didn't win. Hilariously, in the last round, uh, I forgot, Lensley Lewis, who, the reason why I didn't vote for her is because I never knew, who, I didn't know who the hell she was. Yeah. But she got the single most largest voting block in the Conservative Party. She's a black woman. So you can't tell, say conservatives are racist. She didn't get in. Why? The bureaucracy shut her down. They played the numbers in a way that she got. It's like, wait, what? Man, I should have voted for her because she's actually pushing libertarian values. And the system, even in the conservative party, does not want to do that. 
these people, these outsiders keep coming in who want to re represent their actual constituents and the system shuts them down. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, also in Canada, we have, well, most Western countries these days, you don't, you don't actually have representatives that represent their constituents. You have representatives. No, that's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> you have representatives that kind of present the party line to their constituents. And then people go, okay, I can agree with most of this fine but then they just they go to ottawa and they will vote according to what the party whip says yeah it does not matter what their constituents that needs say to stop well it's it's a, it's entirely contrary to how a representative democracy yeah. is supposed to work right. you are supposed to represent your constituents you are not supposed to just be part of a block constantly that's all they do <laughs> well yeah and i get that political parties work that's me are, you? yeah fair enough are the way that they are for a reason like you don't get anything done unless you have a majority and it's easier to just have this voting block that votes with you yeah but it's also a really stupid way to do things yeah. when you towing the party line means you're not actually representing the people who voted for you yeah you're just kind of perpetuating whatever the party wants or claims to want which well, yeah we, that's just yeah. it we're supposed to vote for who represents me best and they represent my voice in parliament yeah who does everyone actually vote for? They vote for the party leaders. I think they shouldn't announce <clears throat> the party leaders until the, you do the constituency elections. You figure out who's got the most seats. And then there's some way to figure out, okay, now we're going to put up our party, party leaders. Yeah. And so now we can see publicly who, who actually... Or we could do this. And I don't know how... This is, you vote for your constituents then the parties pick their leaders and then we pick who do we want actually to be prime minister out of the leaders and yeah. so now you could have a conservative majority but a liberal leader now yeah. there's some sort of power balance or something well yeah and also another thing that canada has uh kind of failed to do is check the power creep of the prime minister's office oh yeah it's ridiculous well the idea that some he's literally breaking all the rules and then changing the laws so he can do whatever the hell he wants now yeah and it's not just him it's the fact that there's permanently positioned bureaucrats like the permanent undersecretary yeah. to the office that doesn't change yeah. like this guy's still there or yeah. well that may not be the exact title but there are a bunch of unelected people who are, you know continuity of government is great but not when it just means that people continue to consolidate power and you essentially have one party two colors yeah well, we have like five colors in Canada. <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Um, but they're all doing the same thing, and anyone who's kind of an outsider gets slammed by the media, which is basically not as bad as the States, but it's still yeah. pretty. Well, I mean, like you had uh, Wilson Raybould. Yeah. Who was. We should be voting for her. She's yeah. stepping away now. She's not really. I running. completely understand yeah. why she's stepping away because she did what was right yeah. and got basically torn apart so maybe explain that so people who okay don't know. so originally she was elected as a liberal mp so she was part of the liberal party you know great old justin trudeau yeah and then he's being sarcastic nobody in canada likes him but he's probably still gonna get in don't what do you mean that. he has great hair um anyway so she got elected as an mp she got placed in his diverse cabinet which in this case was a very good choice yeah. uh, she was a very competent politician still and she's is. native so yeah really actually nice lady too yeah. um so she got placed in his cabinet as a, what was it the justice or? yeah justice minister I justice think. minister yeah. you know a uh, person who's supposed to oversee the courts more yeah. or less 
And then there was the SNC Lavalin affair, yeah. which was basi- one of many scandals. Yeah, basically, a big old company in Canada, SNC Lavalin, based in Quebec. Trudeau's which is friends where, with them. Yeah, Trudeau's friends with them. They donate to him, him a lot. Yeah. Um, got embroiled in basically massive corruption scandals, and they were paying, they were bribing officials in other countries to get contracts, yeah. uh, and they basically they claimed that they fired the people responsible, but they really didn't much in terms of penalty yeah and there was that connection to the liberal party and justin yeah. trudeau which wilson raybould was like okay well this this is a thing this happened this is kind of yeah uh this is going on and then she basically got told to shut up yeah by the prime minister justin trudeau allegedly he was screaming at people allegedly yeah. and basically after that got removed from her position as you know justice minister uh, replaced by some whatever other person, and then left the party. Yeah. Now she's an independent. Actually, the per- other person who followed her didn't get reelected, but she had such name power. She got reelected as an independent, which happens in Canada. Unlike the states where it's impossible yeah, to get elected. you don't elected get elected as an independent, as an independent in the but states. But she basically has now said she's not going to run in the next election. because, she, And you're seeing this. A lot of very competent people... Yeah. are choosing not to rerun because they are so jaded by the corruption and bullshit in the system and it's leaving idiot more and more stupid idiots who just like attention well, to be in charge yeah. of shit. Or smart idiots. Or smart idiots. What's well, a smart idiot? In this case, it's someone who is smart enough to get themselves in power and play the various games and yeah. sides that they need to to stay there, but basically either doesn't know or doesn't care yeah. about the negative consequences of doing that yeah. w- when you're in power. Because it the continuous erosion of public trust in governance is a pretty huge problem. Yeah. Because if you're saying, well, every elected official is just this corrupt mess, why would anyone follow any laws? Yeah. Because they're put in place by people that are visibly corrupt well i think you're gonna start to you're starting to see that now as people are getting tired you're seeing because of the whole covid policies which a lot of them don't make any sense based on evidence and you're seeing like and you know the bbc studio got stormed in london the other day by anti-lockdown protesters wasn't that the former bbc studio i don't know the details i'm not specific but they stormed something i mean of course did the bbc talk about it at all no, it was foreign people who are like RT, which is Russian, uh, uh, Russian news is, which I find hilarious. If you go on Facebook and I follow RT just because I want different perspectives. Um, it says Russian state control media under RT on Facebook. Yeah. And then you go to CBC and I'm like, why doesn't it say Canadian state control media? Because it is yeah. like it actually is. Now, you might not put CNN because technically it's not. But it is. It should say Democrat control media. Well, but, are we going to extend that to Fox News here? Yeah, I mean, it goes both ways. But, like, I mean, technically, CBC should be listed as state control oh, yeah. media. But it's not. So it's like, why are you only saying that to foreign countries that you don't like? So BBC is state control media. Well, yeah. Yeah, they should say this is state funded state control media. Um, well, it's like, you know, politicians should probably wear sponsors' jackets. Yeah, right. Who's paying you? Uh, people have out there. I know in the states, people have suggested you have to list all your sponsors publicly, otherwise you and your investments. Yeah, wasn't there a comedian who said you should wear like NASCAR yeah. style? Uh, George Carlin, right? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's George Carlin, but that's kind of where yeah. I'm pulling from. Is like I, 
Yeah. That's a joke, but I like that idea. Let's see who's paying you money. Well, in America, the corporations is people thing is like, no, I well, don't understand that. Well, if they're people, then you should be able to actually, you know, prosecute them yeah. as people. Yeah, it's crazy. So let's ch- change topics. You moved to Switzerland, I don't know, before COVID. Well, kind of mid-COVID, mid-COVID, actually. Well, why did you do that? Um, Canada is so well, awesome. <laughs> well, Canada is kind of awesome. Uh, my wife. Yeah. She got a PhD position at CERN, uh, one of the first ones. Here's the first thing. I didn't realize you got married. I must have missed that. Well, it's kind of necessary to move to Switzerland, yeah. actually. It's yeah. like we were jumping through hoops, and it's like, okay. well, how COVID can marriage brothers, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how can I come along? And it was really funny because like, CERN is obviously helping with this. Yeah. And I'm like, well, there's this civil union you can get yeah. in Quebec. Because like, <laughs> Quebec is basically the only province that has it. A little bit of a... Yeah historical thing there um so they're like okay so if you get this like piece of paper that says you're civilly unified then switzerland will accept you as like a spouse and you yeah. you'll get a better visa you'll be able to get through yeah. so it's like well i, I do kind of love this woman so yeah. Yeah, why not uh, all right let, let's do it it was a bit sooner than we had planned but well it's like same for me like on the marriage thing like we were not expecting it and then covid hit and we were stuck together with each other and then i'm like shit i don't think i can do this life thing with anyone else anymore like okay <laughs> yeah kind of similar thing and so all right i want i don't want to do long distance so yeah. let's jump through this hoop and go there so we ended up flying to montreal also yeah. kind of mid covid bit yeah. risk yeah yeah, yeah you're we'll healthy see. yeah fair enough got one of my friends who lived there to be my like witness she yeah. flew her sister in as well and yeah. Yeah, we're all set, technically married, according to Swiss law. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so we moved there because she got a PhD position. First yeah. time that type of position was offered outside of the uh, European Union. Yeah. Fantastic. She's really smart. Yeah. Got the position, moved to, moved to Switzerland so she could work at CERN. Yeah. Uh, CERN being a giant particle accelerator. Yeah. Uh, Back cent- to that. Yeah. Centre Européen de la Recherche Nucléaire. Yeah. Because um, French is fun. Um. Yeah, so she moved for that. Uh, she's doing really interesting work. She's not doing mm, technically not particle physics. It's yeah. um, molecular physics. So she's uh, what in the hell is the difference? Well, okay, <laughs> uh, depends who you ask. Yeah. To layperson, pretty much nothing. They're doing science stuff. Yeah. To people involved, there's a huge spectrum of difference here. So, for example, she's doing molecular research dealing with the actinide group. So on the periodic Which table, uh, they're one of the lines that is like chunked out and kind of oh off yeah. to the side. Doesn't fit in. It's going over. Well, there. <laughs> and that's kind of why she's doing the research is because there's a lot of stuff that is unknown about these materials, these uh, elements. Yeah. And there's a lot of potential applications for them, like anything from medical to material science to whatever else you can think of. There's probably an application. So a lot of her work is figuring out ways to reliably produce usable quantities of these kind of exotic materials, Mm -hmm. Um, which is, it differs from particle physics in that particle physics is dealing with trying to figure out the properties of very elementary particles, usually. So we're talking smaller than uh, electrons and protons here. We're going down to quarks and zero at the cutting edge. Yeah. Um, so she's dealing for the layman the quantum realm like (laughs) ant-man sure let's go with that um 
Yeah, and at this point, we start getting into stuff that I don't understand particularly well, so yeah. I kind of have to step back and be like, okay, yep, she's doing stuff with molecular actinide beams, and that's great, and I I will let her talk about it now because <laughs> she like actually knows what she's doing. Yeah. Um, and she's really enjoying it, and it's great. And oh, then, uh, so I was looking for work in Switzerland for a while, which... Mm interesting experience definitely a, they're very formal as you, anything you've probably heard about Switzerland is like you, you do it by the book you follow the regs it's funny because I've only ever met Swiss who are not in Switzerland because they can't deal with it oh yeah because it is like it's stressful and yeah. they are not particularly helpful a lot of the time yeah. with you navigating. don't know it's your fault <laughs> yeah how dare you uh, more Russian there but anyway um so I was looking for work for a while, and then I finally found a position at a solar panel uh, development company. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's why in your uh, field, or not field of uh, your interest, I should say, in the yeah. whole environmentally friendly Well, thing. I figured, like, I don't really want to be working in what a lot of engineers end up working in, especially mechanical, which is, like, developing vehicles and yeah. stuff. I don't give a shit about making the new version of a car or a yeah. luxury like truck or something yeah. it's pretty understood science but if i can help like design and develop better solar panels yeah. that's actually kind of useful you know i was actually having this discussion with uh, my wife about actually in an apocalypse if you have your own property a solar ve uh, electric vehicle is better because if you have solar panels yeah. and wind turbine or whatever on your property you don't, you never run out of fuel you just need to know how far yeah. you can go so really what you want is a hybrid vehicle that's mostly electric with a little gas tank just in yeah, case maybe a little biodiesel yeah tank. for the apocalypse and that's the direction so if you're like a prepper and you're like gas gas it's like actually no like well, if you have a huge property yeah, gas denatures as well like yeah. you have to constantly be replacing it which is expensive and yeah. kind of silly that's why like it, let's say you want to get the, the quote right wing nuts to go green make the right arguments well, the U.S. military is trying to go green. Like, yeah. they have been for a long time because they want their bases and their vehicles to be self-sufficient. Away from the Saudi oil and all that Well, stuff. just away from a very vulnerable power source because yeah. oil is storing it. Oh, great. That's a great big target. Like, yeah. there's your oil tank. Blow that up. Suddenly, your forces can't move. They yeah. can't evacuate, and they're screwed. Well, you know, it's funny. I was listening to, like, everyone's like, oh, don't. You can't use nuclear power to power. It's like, actually, the U.S. Navy... There's aircraft yeah. carriers and submarines are nuclear powered, no problem. Yeah, and technically, you can, if you have enough power, you can make things like jet fuel from seawater. Yeah. The U.S. Navy actually developed a technique for that, got to be like 30 years ago now. It's yeah. interesting. They run it through some catalytic stuff, and it's really cool. Kind yeah. of inefficient and power hungry, but another one of those let's move away from oil ideas. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is. You know, probably. Well, I don't know. You haven't listened recently. I'm I'm big in nuclear because in the absence of anything better, I'm like, okay. If you look at why nuclear reactors have failed, it's usually humans dicking around yep. and not following what they're supposed to be following. Yeah, and it's also something that people, especially the uh, hardcore environmentalists, kind yeah. of have a blind spot about because yeah. they're like, okay, we're we need to move to electric vehicles. We need to do like electrify the, everything. We need to move away from coal and natural gas and oil. And you're right. But if you move at the same time as you're moving away from those, you move to electric vehicles. You have a huge additional power demand that you 
well, either you need to invest way more in solar than you are and way more in wind and hydro, or you can have nuclear. Yeah. And nuclear is a pretty good option. Like, I'm not saying it doesn't come with dangers. I worked at a facility where I had to constantly be aware of radiation and monitor my, like, exposure and all yeah. this stuff. Also, nuclear research, not very dangerous. Less dangerous than taking a plane. Yeah. Um, you mean once. I'm not going to turn into the Hulk? Um, <laughs> That's gamma, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, gamma is a type of radiation. Yeah. You're absolutely correct. But it's also... It's kind of fun learning about it because you find out, like, there's... The way you stop gamma is just you bring it down to a reasonable percentage of gamma exposure. Because yeah. you can't... It's very difficult to stop 100% of it. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain level of particle physics. It's like, hey, these things are flying through us at all times, and there's nothing you can do. Well, yeah, stop. it's like neutrino. Yeah. You had a billion of them pass through your, like, pinky finger yeah. while we've been sitting here. Yeah. And... You, you can't do anything about it. You can't shield from these things, which are almost, well, it's hard to tell if they're massless or not because it's very hard to observe them. Yeah, um, yeah there's a, actually a really cool experiment in Antarctica, which uh, I think it's called like the ice cube one, where what they do is they drill really deep holes into the ice and then they put um, cameras, like very sensitive cameras down on a string mm. in like a row in a cube. And they're, uh, I believe, omnidirectional cameras, so they see everything around them. And it's nice and dark, perfectly, very clear ice. So what happens is when you have those one in a billion neutrino interactions somewhere around those cameras, they're able to track the tra trajectory yeah. from the light that's given off from that collision. Oh, nice. It's really cool because, you know, yeah. why, why are you going to Antarctica? Well, I'm going to go install several thousand cameras, like a kilometer deep in the ice. But how does this help my constituents? <laughs> Yeah, and that's kind of a fun question as well, because it's like, well, directly it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of... If there's one thing that makes humans actually different, it's that we we don't always do things that just directly help us. Yeah. Because you're right. Knowing about the mass of a neutrino will not tell me... will not help me solve world hunger. Yeah. Um, but that's not the point. The point is we are at a stage in our civilization where we absolutely can start poking at how the universe works. And that is something which actually makes us different, which we should do. And you never know. Like, so that's a, the COVID, again, highlights the scientific elite douche heads. Like, I know there's two people I'm thinking in particular in the local martial arts community. Uh, I don't like you guys. Sorry, because their stance is... Do what the scientists say. Do what the science says. You have to do this. And I think one of them is a hypochondriac, and one of them I don't know what the fuck their problem is. Um, it's this idea that science is so rigid, and it's like you you realize that first of all, if there's di uh, dissenting arguments, mm -hmm. no, the science is not settled. No. And second of all, it's not that that side's wrong and this. Side, maybe you're both <laughs> wrong. You don't know. Uh, and some of the greatest discoveries in history in science were complete accidents because the scientists themselves was asking the wrong question, like uh, penicillin, right? It was just like dirty moldy pieces. sandwich. Yeah, and they're like, oh yeah, something like that. And they're like, oh, something happened. It was a total accident. And then we always forget that a lot of it is just trial and error, screw around, experiment. Uh, and I think a lot of the scientific elitists tend to be so rigid about how science must be done. And so in order to 
discover something that we don't even know will help us. You need to kind of just do a whole bunch of stuff randomly and something may yeah. end up. And I think it's a universal approach because if you look at how angel investors invest, they're like, listen, if I put a, a million dollars on 10 different things, one of them is going to give me a hundred million dollars. The rest of them is going to not give me my $9 million back because it's a trial and error. Yeah. Not everything is going to succeed. Some things will, some things won't one. We only need 10% of stuff to move forward in order for us to get progress. Yeah. And, and I think people, they just don't get that. <laughs> no. And yeah, like science isn't a belief system yeah. as you know, like we, a religion. We've talked about that before, but like if you believe in science, you don't, you don't believe in a specific discovery. You believe in the idea that you observe the world and you make a hypothesis and then you test that. And if your hypothesis is wrong, that is just as good a result. Yeah. Like, you just, you found something out. Maybe it wasn't, like, what you wanted to find out, but it's still good information. But now you can't get funding. Well, it depends where you go for funding. Yeah, right. right. I think that's the future of science development is we need more positively motivated wealthy people funding stuff privately yeah and i mean i i don't really like a lot of very wealthy people because yeah. th that's actually one main reason why yeah because they aren't doing shit with their money like yeah. okay you have billions and billions of dollars what are you doing what are you doing like yeah. at least elon musk is like doing interesting things like yeah. jeff bezos Give me a fucking break. Yeah, a lot less so. Or whatever other billionaire you care to name. Yeah. Like, do things. Build hospitals. Yeah, build right? massive I'd be like, plants. hey, I have a billion dollars. Hey, uh, I'm going to buy MRIs for Canadian hospitals because for some reason our own government won't fucking buy those, which will solve a lot of our fucking well, like, problems. Like, Jesus and, Christ. I mean, in Canada here, we have this problem with, like, oh, there's no clean water on reserves. I still don't understand that one. Well, it's the, it's a bunch of political bullshit, a bunch poor training, poor education, all this stuff. And also the government going, well, we don't want to step in and tell them what to do. It's like, okay. That's that's bullshit. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's also an excuse. It's yeah. like, okay, if you've given them the opportunity to govern themselves and deal with this problem, you've provided funding, it's either been taken by graft and corruption or yeah. it's been misused or something has gone wrong. Yeah. You know they need clean water. Stop fucking around using the excuse. Take the hit to your truth and reconciliation yeah, they, uh, doctrine, and say, "Look." Which is a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of misguided yeah. bullshit. That's but stuff. here's your water treatment plant. Yeah. Here's how you make it work. Yeah. Here's your clean water, and it's way cheaper than paying for all the health problems that come out of oh, not right. having clean water. Yeah, that was my. It still is my biggest piss off about COVID. This was the opportunity for governments around the world, in the Western world, because they'll always be like, in the third world country, it's like, shut the fuck up. We have this problem here. It's the health and well-being of your citizens. It's particularly in America. You're obese. We need to solve this problem. Now is, it, now is the chance to tell people to get healthy. And guess what? They're finally releasing all the studies that are saying, hey, do you know if you exercise regularly and eat well, you have a less chance of dying factually according to actual trial and error science. Still don't want to talk about it. Yeah, of course not. Right, and I was just like, this. why aren't we talking about this? Or vitamin D is a thing, or all this other stuff. They refuse to talk about it, and they say it's pseudoscience. And it's no, it's because no one wants to tell the 300-pound obese person, you need to fucking lose weight, especially if you're a socialist, you motherfucker, because you're costing everyone else money, and you're killing yourself. Yeah, 
And I mean, why I could never be a politician. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Who knows? Maybe you'd be a fairly good politician for that region. Decision making, one thing, but uh, get you have to get elected in the first place. Yeah, your optics like you. might not be the best. <laughs> um, no, and it's also part of that. Going back to kind of the medical system, there needs to be less of the alongside saying, "Hey, you're obese. You need to eat. You need you need to change that." also needs to come with you need to stop saying that being overweight is the only cause of medical issues yeah that like the two go together yeah. because if people are just you know a little bit overweight but they have a legitimate medical issue that isn't caused by that yeah and they're being dismissed because oh you're carrying 20 pounds extra that's the problem yeah well that that generates this idea of like well i'm being discriminated against because of weight because you kind of are yeah but people who are, you know, 350 pounds, 300 pounds, and yeah, okay, that causes so many problems by itself that you can't even begin to diagnose without yeah. addressing that. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, I was saying in one of the other parts about being optimal, right? Some people, due to specific medical reasons, may never be able to be ripped. Yeah. But you should be what's optimal for you. Now, I think. We should be able to solve the problem. Why can't you get ripped? Is it something we can solve? Um, I think it is the problem. In, so, like, Western medicine's problem is they're obsessed with the pharmaceuticals. Oh, yeah. And they're treating the symptoms, not the cause. Eastern medicine's problem is while they do have a preventative approach, it's a lot of, like, non... It's a lot of bullshit. Well, when you start doing things like, oh, tiger claw. Yeah. Uh, not to... Penis stick. Like, <laughs> like oh... <laughs> <laughs> is that from the penis bush? I don't know. It's just, no, literal like penis, uh, tiger penis. Yeah, whatever, yeah, you know. I know. Um, or I said something, I can't remember. Anyways, and it's just like someone actually told me the other day it's a lot of Eastern medicine is because even if that medicine man or whatever actually has a solution to the problem, like a herb he knows it's going to work, he's out of that herb. So he'll just give you something else instead. He'll be like, ah, oh, take this yeah. because he wants the money. Um, and I'd never thought of it like that. But like, for example... Um, if I feel like my immune system is a little compromised, well, Joe being Asian was like, oh, my grandma used to have us have honey, lemon, ginger water. So you put in honey and lemon yeah. and ginger and then in with hot water. And I, I shit you not, it's like magic. Mm -hmm. And then I'm drinking this. I'm like, holy shit, this tastes like Halls. And they tried to, you know, commercialize something that you don't need to commercialize. You just tell people, hey... I'm not talking, it's not going to work for like a serious thing. Yeah, it's but not going to solve pneumonia. Hey, but if my glands here and my neck are a little swollen and I feel like I'm about to have a fever, I take that shit measurably with our, the measure, my temperature's down. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, holy fuck, right? And so that's something, as a Westerner, I'm like, I never thought that. And then I realized, yeah. okay, where does aspirin come from? Willow bark. Well, someone yeah. was chewing it at some point. And now aspirin's probably okay as far as they just, they concentrate excuse me concentrated it mm -hmm. but do you really need to be taking that every day well no and you shouldn't because yeah. acetosalicylic acid isn't great as a constant supplement yeah well most of that stuff shouldn't be constant well it's like anyone who's taking uh ibuprofen yeah on a like a daily basis well that's not that's not great for you yeah. and i mean i can <laughs> this is a pretty personal thing for me because i do have chronic pain yeah. issues um and a lot of the time like when I was trying to get this diagnosed yeah. this is part of why I have rants about doctors it's because yeah. it took like 
five or six different doctors before I could get one who listened to me and wouldn't just yeah. try and prescribe me stronger drugs. Yeah. Like, I don't want drugs. I'm not coming here for T3s or whatever else. Yeah. I want you to actually do the tests, figure out what's what's fucking me up, yeah. and then I can figure out how to move forward. And it turns out, hey, guess what? You've got fibromyalgia, yeah. probably. And it turns out it's not cancer or any of the other lovely well, things good, or know. liver disease that it could have been causing it. Yeah. Seems to be a fibromyalgia. And you know what? Hey, you shouldn't be taking painkillers constantly because there's a psychosomatic part of it, yeah. and your body will just start basically overwriting the painkiller. It'll say, like, oh, you need to take bigger and bigger doses because yeah. I know you're doing this, bitch, yeah. and I'm going to make you in pain no matter what. Yeah. My body's kind of an asshole. Yeah. Um, a lot of people's bodies, right? Well, and you just gotta like. Well, me, same same for my wife. Like, yeah. yeah, she had chronic pain, lots, of, and it's just it seems to be through we figured out, not the doctors. That there's a history of autoimmune issues, and mm. so she has to be careful what she eats. If she eats properly and doesn't eat the wrong things, uh, she doesn't have these problems anymore. Yeah, and it's just as simple as that for a lot of people. Well, yeah, I mean, like. One of the reasons why I get so much exercise is because that helps deal with the psychosomatic side of things. Yeah. Like instead of my body deciding that it's going to have like stabbing pains somewhere yeah. because I don't know it's bored. Yeah. Um, then I torture you because. Yeah. So I'll go and I'll like work out. I'll go on a long bike ride or I'll lift weights or I'll fight people. Yeah. And it kind of fight me, motherfucker. Well, it trains your nerves a bit to be like oh that's what that actually feels like yeah. oh that's that's actual pain that's yeah. actual real real sensation you know, it's, it's actually funny I was listening to something about psych, uh, do you know who Andrew Huberman is heard of him yeah you should listen to him but he was talking about this he's like I, he wants people to stop saying psychosomatic because he's like technically your neurons are doing something which oh, yeah. is telling you something um, he, he's an example of a a professor who's stepping a little bit outside the system because they're kind of tired of it. At the beginning of all his podcasts, he's like, this is separate from my work at Stanford. And, blah, 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 and it's got nothing yeah. to do with it. Um, but he's just telling people what the app up-to-date research is in a somewhat normal people language yeah. way. you know. And he was talking about that a little bit. I forgot specifically what he was talking about, but I think phantom limbs and stuff like that yeah. and how... it. Tell someone like a hypochondriac, it's psychosomatic in the sense that a lot of it is in their head. But if it's in your head and you create the problem, you can actually get sick. Well, yeah, so and that's a that's a funny thing about your nervous system is it's it's actually a physical system. So I'm not going to deny that my neurons are sending a signal that something is stabbing my finger. Yeah. But if I can look at my finger and say, yeah, that's bullshit. Yeah. Then it helps all also for me mentally to be like, okay, that that pathway is a little fucky. Yeah. And that's, it's also, it's an interesting thing that also helps, is helped by meditation because mm. there are some meditative techniques where you build the image of your body mm. and then you go in and sort of see, okay, how's it feeling? You, you Awareness of self, basically. Yeah. Like you go through your body and it's usually a, a, as a calming technique. Like yeah. you build an awareness like, oh, here's my toe, here's my like, my foot, my leg, etc. Yeah, and kind of breathe through it. Yeah. For me, that's a very practical thing because I can go through and be like, okay, well, no, there's nothing wrong with my toe. That that pain's bullshit. Yeah, and it's a very effective technique. It's like anyone who's like, oh, meditation's bullshit. No, because yeah. it's it's not about like this. Well, it doesn't have to be about this spiritual or like whatever. Ooh. 
woo-woo thing. It's a very practical way of being aware of your body and centering yourself yeah. into yourself. With that being said, like I, I was uh, meditation for some people is not a starting point because their nervous system is not even remotely calm enough to even be able to yeah, do that. Fair enough. So that's why I, you know, whenever we get these trends, it's like you get the hacks trying to sell something and then um, they're not being objective. Like, you know, my approach to teaching self-defense is pisses a lot of people off because I'm not paying you to lecture at me, John. Mm. But for me, it's like, hey, do you know about your health? Do you know about this? Because uh, there's no easy way to say it. More intelligent people who are curious about the universe or curious about stuff are not going to always take the doctor's word at face value. Less intelligent people are like, the doctor told me to do this. So for me, it's really important to teach people, no matter what your cognitive capabilities are, listen, is it actually good for you? Like, are they just giving you a pill? And then it's like, hey, did the problem go away? Yeah. If the answer is no, guess what? Why are you listening to that doctor? Well, they're a doctor. Okay, you know, that's the thing the people seem to have forgotten. Trust the experts. That's called appeal to authority. It's a very well-known logic fallacy. Stop doing that. I thought you were smart, <laughs> you know, uh, for, for the intellectuals who've been saying this all year long. Um, I think it's just cowardice, quite frankly, on that aspect, is that what I saw this year is people, they start with fighting, resisting, and then they go... Well, I want things to go back to normal, so we'll just do what you're being told so that we can go back to normal. And I'm like, okay, but we're, that's, is that solving the problem? So, like, the way I teach self-defense is I want to teach people more than just, hey, how to punch and kick. Because yeah. if you're actually physically needing to fight all the time, well, you have a problem that's beyond the technique. So, actually, you need to know how to defend your mind from bad ideas and defend your body from bad advice from doctors and uh, and and to me, like this podcast is what for me podcasting saved me because the way I think, I don't meet very many people like that. Mm. And now all of a sudden, I can listen to Andrew Huberman or Lex Friedman or Eric Weinstein or these like intellectual people. I'm like, holy shit, I'm not alone. So for me, it's about ex making sure that people's world's views are open and expanding and realizing if things are not always what you've been told or what it seems and you might be right or wrong about something but now you can listen to people who are telling you the same thing that you had and you can find a solution to your problem yeah yeah and yeah a lot of that if i'm correct boils down to you know actually think yeah just to no, like don't obviously don't dismiss everything an authority says but do consider like whether they're actually giving you good advice yeah and it's not like one of the things that people I think have a little bit of trouble with is especially uh, for mental, more mental disorders like anxiety yeah, or which is going through the fucking roof. Yeah, well, all kinds of reasons for that. But one of the problems with uh, treating it is that what works for one person really doesn't. Yeah. Like, because a lot of it is brain chemistry, and everyone's is different. So it's going to take a while, and anyone or any like practitioner or doctor is like oh well this one pill will absolutely save you it's like no you got to try that one and you got to try it for a while because mm. it takes a while for things to get into your system and get out of your system you can't just say oh you're i've solved your anxiety by yeah. giving you this pill it's it's not going to be something that's solved you're going to have that probably for the rest of your life and even if you manage it through chemical means or 
physical means or whatever you do it, your doctor needs to be with you the whole time and also constantly monitoring because if something else in your life changes your brain chemistry might change and suddenly the pill that worked doesn't yeah or maybe they never find a pill that worked and through that they figure out oh hey maybe there's something else physically wrong yeah well you know it's fucked up but with the increase of, I, again i don't know if this has always been we just don't know but now we, let's say we're we're measuring and watching it in real time more it seems like a large percentage of people who have severe anxiety and aren't dealing with it gravitate politically to the left right now in this time frame and they are demanding control over everything and that's the thing is we actually really need to solve this anxiety problem because I'm sick of someone with anxiety telling me how I have to live because it, it's they're like they can't handle their anxiety so they want to control me yeah and I think that's something the mental health thing we need to deal with it now that I think living in cities constantly with too many people is probably driving anxiety I think mm-hmm. uh being like all our devices are probably calling causing anxiety there's lots of probably easy to tell reasons why but if we don't learn how to deal with this we're going to descend into some 1984 shit because there's going to be an increased amount of people with anxiety that demand we control everything just so they don't feel anxious and it's like what the fuck and it's like that level of control isn't actually going to make you feel less anxious because you knowing that you're under that level of surveillance is in its in and of itself a source of anxiety. Oh, that's like, terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, if if I know like literally that someone is always watching me or someone's always listening through my phone or whatever else, that is not a secure thing for me. Yeah. I don't know who's listening. I don't know what their motivations are and I don't really like the idea that my I don't know, my private in-home discussion might turn into some someone going oh well this guy's insane yeah like i know i'm a little bit crazy but i'm not gonna fuck with anyone and then you get the political thing you said this and then we're gonna like if i don't know if you heard Yeonmi park talk about north korea at all yeah she she got out of north korea and she's like 28 29 now or something mm-hmm. she was just on rogan like it's a really like, you have to be emotionally prepared to listen to her story because it's very intense the i recommend either her jordan peterson interview or the Rogan one. Um, but she's just talking about why does nobody talk about the slavery and dictatorship of North Korea? I, I think I know the reason why no one wants to deal with North Korea. It's basically you have 50 million people who are yeah. intellectually like seven-year-olds who don't understand the rest of the world. And if you take out that dictatorship, which it, in a moral stance should happen, mm-hmm. what do you do with 50 million people that need to play catch up? And yeah, the and reality is no one wants to deal with it. No, nobody wants to deal with it. Yeah. And who knows what kind of like continuity of government projects that yeah. regime has in place. Yeah. Do you want to be the guy who goes in and has to deal with all those like individual landmines of people? Yeah. Well, and that's the... She was just talking about the hypocrisy. It's like no one wants to talk about it. Yeah. You're talking about the black people's slavery. She's like, slavery is bad, but what about my people's slavery? Yeah. Why are they special and we're not? Right, and it's just uh, it's crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's and then that's another case where it's like, yeah, you're right. We should be dealing with that as well. Yeah. Um, and the idea that you can only deal with one problem at a time is it going back to what I was talking about earlier? Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. There are so many resources and people available to deal with things. Yeah. And the yes, slavery is bad. If you go, if you start with that basic premise you should be addressing that everywhere yeah. you shouldn't just be saying 
oh, well, this one's very visible, so I'm going to deal with it. You yeah. should be going, this one's not visible, so we need to deal with it more. Yeah. Or we need to also cover this. And she brought it up why corporations, the woke corporations don't want to talk about it. China. Well, yeah. Like Disney and the NBA are two examples of sellouts that they are more interested in getting money in the China market than actually making good on their so-called woke ideology. They'd rather get money. Yeah. Right. It's just like, you're not actually about morals or ethics. No, like if you were about morals or ethics, you would be pulling all of your manufacturing and all your promotions out of China. And it's not, which would be great because then they're no longer a problem if no one wants to deal with it. Well, there's, that's exactly the thing. Like it is not, a racist ideology to say that the Chinese government is a well dictatorship that yeah. is absolutely n- <laughs> against what most of the world claims they stand for. Yeah. And if you're going to constantly do business with them while also saying that people are bad for criticizing like racism or not criticizing racism yeah. or, Oh yeah. Genocides are bad. Um, but, but you're still doing business with China. Yeah. Uh, or, oh, yeah, like, uh, government control is bad, because some people obviously say that. Yeah. But you're still doing business with China. Yeah. Like, you, what the fuck? Yeah. Or, yeah, any any sort of, like, I, I, ideology where you're trying to say, this thing is terrible anywhere it appears, but then, oh, but we can't possibly criticize the Chinese yeah. government. I'll give props to Google, even though they're douchebags for saying, fuck it, we're out. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, I think that had a lot more to do with they can't profit if they can't fuck around yeah. with data a bunch. But... Their, their motives were not the best, but the outcome was we're yeah. not working with no, you. It's not really a moral stand, it's an economic stand. Yeah. And that's, you know what? That's kind of fine, because... I also get really sick of, frankly, being called a racist for criticizing the Chinese government. Yeah. I don't. By the way, I can never go to China because of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It's not really somewhere I want to go either. Yeah. Um, it's not racist to say that this is a kind of terrible government, and yeah. even if they supposedly have the interests of their people at heart, they should still be frankly a target of criticism any source of power anyone with a great deal of power should be criticized called out and shone a light on yeah unless you're Trudeau who just wants to keep changing laws so you can no longer criticize them right well yeah and that's (laughs) if you're still supporting someone who's so so very clearly doesn't care about the consequences of their actions that's on you I swear if he gets in again I don't know what to think about this country. I think it's going to go down the path of division if he keeps getting in. Well, if, yeah, if the policies stay the same, if it's still short-sighted, kind of woke, um, I want to get the support of the whatever left, but not actually do anything. Like, if you wanted to be a woke politician, where the fuck's the voting reform? Where, Where is... An actual anything he promised ever. An actual it? economic policy that is environmentally friendly, as opposed to just greenwashed horseshit. Yeah. While you buy pipelines, yeah. like which was a disaster. Why the fuck did you buy that pipeline? Well, he bought it for five billion taxpayer money, thinking he could force the courts. He this is what he, I think he thought. I I'm the prime minister. 
the courts are going to agree with me. I'm building this so I can get the Alberta vote. And the courts said, yeah, no, you can't run pipelines through people's lands where they don't want it. Sorry. Yeah. But he's just such a narcissistic shitbag that he genuinely thought, I'm the prime minister. I can do what I want because he's trying to make everyone happy. Like, if I can build a pipeline, I'm going to get or twin the pipeline. I'm going to get the votes in Alberta and I'll get the jobs. So then they'll vote for me. And I can tell the courts what to do. No, you can't, Dick. Now you're starting starting to see him put pressure on the courts to do what he wants after yeah. the fact. And come on, like any time someone starts trying to do that kind of uh, merging of the executive and the judicial branch of yeah, the government, they should be removed. Like yeah. this isn't. They are not supposed to serve one another. Yeah. Judicial branch needs to be separate. Otherwise, you've just created yeah. a bit of a feudal system. What I'm hoping happens, it's not my ideal scenario, but that a lot of liberals are so pissed off, they vote NDP, and the NDP steal a lot of the votes. Quebec goes all block, which I think shouldn't be allowed to yeah, be a federal anyway. party. But anyway, um, and then the conservatives get a minority. That's what I'm hoping happens but I don't fucking know. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, I would be pretty okay with the conservatives being, well, required to push a bit more towards the environmental side of things. Which they are now. Finally. Uh, it's, again, I don't understand what the issue is. As I said, most people in the conservative party are much more neutral than people realize. And it's just the dumb, loud, right-wing nut jobs who live in the middle of nowhere with no goddamn clue or my oil job. It's like, dude, yeah. industry's dead. I'm sorry. You should actually be blaming the Alberta government for not yeah, diversifying. they fucked that up <laughs> royally. The amount of, yeah. yeah, anyway, the amount of money they misappropriated and misused, yeah. just like... Now, with that being said, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP, is a naive fool, but I think he's a nice naive fool, and I would much rather have him in charge than the malicious douchebag that we yeah, have. Yeah, I would prefer a kind of oblivious naivety to yeah. malicious, very clearly yeah. just self-centered. But you're idiot. in Switzerland now. You don't have to deal with it. <laughs> I mean, I'm still a Canadian citizen. Yeah. I still get to kind of hear about this shit. Yeah. So back there, back to that, like, how is living in Switzerland overall? Like, It's what? really good, actually. Like... Um, a lot of one of the things that I think Switzerland does well is they understand that they need local industry. Yeah. So a lot of the food is grown in Switzerland. It's like sponsored. Uh, if farmers aren't profitable, they're usually sponsored by the government so that they keep the food production relatively local. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's stuff that's imported, of course. That's kind of how trade works. Yeah. Um, but yeah, food is generally local. It's usually good quality. Like grocery stores just tend to have good quality food um it's very clean in general it's mostly quiet although i live in downtown core right now so it's of what city uh geneva Geneva. uh lovely city most of the population is actually not swiss yeah because the un obviously has headquarters there that lovely organization Uh, it's its own special beast um and it's gorgeous it's lovely i'm i already knew French but now I'm learning Italian German because a million languages they speak there well yeah and it's kind of fun that way yeah um, in general I would say Switzerland is great if you have the opportunity to go live there absolutely do yeah now how was it because the EU is a lot stricter 
as it compared to BC during the last year or so? Well, the, something that all Swiss people will be very sure to tell you is they aren't in Europe. Yeah. It's, that's kind of their... Except for the small arms treaty, which they caved on. Yeah, but there was a lot of economic pressure, and while yeah. they're not in Europe, they are also pragmatically aware that they're surrounded by Europe, yeah. and it's not it's not really practical for them to be like, oh no, we're we're just gonna disregard everything. Yeah, even though I'm sure they could have probably swung that differently. Could have said no, we're not doing it. I think they would have been fine, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. depends who you ask. Yeah. Really. Now, because because you're closer to that whole block i'm curious of what the fuck is going on in france because i there was like a coup almost coup attempt in the last year yeah (laughs) what the fuck is going on in france um it's weird like because france uh only a little bit maybe like june is when they started uh, lifting their curfew which was pretty insane like you had to be home in your house by 7 p.m yeah and that was the virus cares about time right yeah i mean it's mostly a social like people congregate after that and like fair enough but like i i know plenty of people living in france who were crossing the border in switzerland and it was just like it's this insane limit on their lives because they're they have like from 5 p.m to 7 p.m is that's it like that's their time to socialize do chores get groceries do whatever and then they got to be home, yeah. Unless they have like a specific form saying they're allowed to be out, which makes no sense because if you're still socializing for those two hours, you're still socializing. For well, those yeah. Two hours. And there, like it used to be in France, was like you couldn't go more than a kilometer from yeah. your house without a form. Yeah. And like, I have friends who are like runners and people, and it's, it's ridiculous. They figured out what was a one kilometer radius, and they just did like laps around yeah. their house, and it's. Yeah. Especially for people who are going off and running in the countryside away from everyone. Yeah. That's, you want people to be doing that. And I know, obviously, all of France couldn't do that because you have major cities. Yeah. But there should have been a little bit of exceptions. And I think a lot of, a lot of the pushback that's happening right now against Macron and that is just probably French people going come on like you've been nuts they're going nuts (laughs) well you've been doing this for this long and then you start trying to like push this everyone needs to be vaccinated to do things and like vaccination whole other issue um but trying to exert that level of control especially on the french population is not a good idea. <laughs> they don't like being told what to do, even well, though they have civil law, which is hilarious. Sure, but they like these are people who will riot about everything, everything, and you tried to tell them that they needed to do a specific thing in order to do like French activities, like yeah. go out and have wine. Yeah, um, that's the way I kind of laugh at the January sixth thing because I, uh, it was not a fucking insurrection. Can we compare this to what happens in France all the fucking time? Like Jesus well, Christ. Mean, yeah, France. Oh, look, you changed the color of some, I don't know, work uniform. It's time to riot and set things on fire. <laughs> I, no offense, France. I do like your cheese. Yeah, right. It's crazy. Cause, so uh, I am a martial arts instructor. That's my specialty, Krav Maga. It's my old background in psychology. Uh, you are a mechanical engineer and specializing somewhat in particle stuff there is an idea 
out there that a lot of scientists or academics or just, I think, douchebags have that you need to stay in your lane because we've talked about a whole bunch of stuff. Things. You don't just get to say, now, I'm well, like, we're coming from educated, authority, fairly well experts said this. You should at least be able that? to inform yourself enough to say, is that true? And I don't mean going on fucking Facebook or Google for five minutes and finding an article that you agrees with your stupid point of view. I mean going and doing the research, finding the academic papers, actually putting the time in. Because let's be clear, your five minutes of Google is not equivalent to someone's years of study and work. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you should be able to go actually look into the issue that you're curious about and find a few opposing positions. And you don't all want all one side or all the other. You want to, you want to get everything. And then look into it and actually understand it. And I know this is a lot of work. I yeah. know it takes time and effort. And you're going to get real Just confused. Just tell me what to do. No, because I'm not going to tell you what to do. Nobody should be telling you what to do. You should be able to go and say, okay, what is actually going on? Or what do I think is going on? Here's why I think is what's going on. Here's the Here are the specific pieces of information I'm basing this on. Not someone's statements. Not someone's like press release and then you go and then you can then you're allowed to go and spout off on the internet because yeah. maybe you've done some actual intelligent research yeah just so long as i'm clear that i don't respect anyone who goes and says oh well uh i did uh i did my research but i'm not going to tell you what my sources are yeah. or like uh yeah i don't feel like actually arguing or discussing this i just want to claim that you're wrong yeah like, fuck off. Yeah. I, I, I didn't come here... Like, I like arguing. I like discussing because it's an interesting thing. If your whole principle of argument is just telling me I'm wrong, but not telling me why or explaining how I'm wrong... Yeah. Then fuck off. It's like uh, I made the mistake of really putting myself out there this year on the internet. Oh and... Uh, I'm just the uh, video snippets on Instagram, which you don't see because you don't have yeah. followed the wrong guy on Instagram that I thought was you. Anyways, well uh, I don't remember the name, so I can't unfollow. <laughs> That's so funny. So I, I'm just putting snippets of stuff we filmed. I think you're in some of them. Probably. Uh, in the YouTube game, you stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not an expert wrestler or expert, you know, a boxer, but I'm teaching the minimum stuff. And you get people coming and commenting inevitably. That's fake. It'll never work. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, like, uh, what's your background? Like, where do you train? Yeah. Like, and they never, never really want to answer it. And they'll be like, you're, you're this and that. And I'm like, okay, well, one guy was saying, I'm a state champ wrestler. I know what I'm doing. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I'm like, oh, cool. Like, can you send me links? Yeah. He wouldn't do that. And I'm like, hey, if you're actually who you say you are, and next time you're in Vancouver, I'll hold a seminar, a wrestling seminar for you. And it's just like, they don't know how to deal with that. And I had another person, this is probably some like grade 12 kid who was like, that would never work, bro. They'll do this. I'm like, are you talking about like this technique? Cause like I do jujitsu. Like I know what you're talking about. I'm talking about is I'm saying for self-defense application. I'm like, what's your background? And they answered like, oh, I've been doing Taekwondo since middle school and I just started Brazilian jujitsu. I'm like, thank you for indicating you don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, at least that guy, the kid had the balls to say what his background yeah. was. Right. And that's, that's the thing. Right. Um, on the other side, the expertise thing, it's like overly specialized experts 
if you're relying on one group of experts specifically for policy and ignoring the other 10 experts who are going to be affected, you're making bad policy. Well, <laughs> also, like, well, it is sort of necessary if you want to do cutting-edge research to specialize to yeah. a huge degree. Or I want a brain surgeon who specializes in that to operate yeah, on my fair brain. enough. Maybe not like a guy who's used to appendices. Yeah. Um, you should still recognize that your research is placed within a system or happens within a massive interconnected system. Nothing nothing that happens in the world is disconnected from everything else. Yeah. You don't get to say, oh, well, all I did was reroute this road. I don't understand why property values changed, yeah. for example. Like, well, that's a pretty clear connection. But there might be something else like, oh, I don't understand why I rerouted this road and suddenly we don't see this type of bird here anymore. Yeah. Like, everything is connected. And the idea that you're you're able to just disconnect your field from the rest of the world is kind of silly. Everything you put out research-wise will have an effect. And it links to dozens, if not thousands, of other things. Yeah. And I think an expert should be able to place their work in context mm -hmm. which means that yeah you you should be open to criticism from people who aren't in your field as long as it's not just i don't believe you because i'm an expert and I'm, you're not <laughs> yeah or i don't believe you because my five minutes of google found one article among millions oh, that yeah, disagrees yeah yeah or whatever yeah which you know the media does all the fucking time they'll pick the one thing yeah it's like hey I have all this other evidence. Like the vitamin D thing, our own health minister was like, that's propaganda. I'm like, mm, here's a link to all of the research all over the world, vitamin D and COVID. Nope, it's a, that's propaganda. Uh, it's actually not. It's like, what the fuck do I do with this? <laughs> well, and it's, that's a bit of more following the party line. Yeah. Like, it's underqualified. I don't think they actually understand the science at all, even to be explaining it and then well, make policy on it. And it's also like there's a bit of a, there's a consistent fear about um, admitting ignorance. Yeah. Like, I don't know most things. I don't know shit about pretty much everything. I know yeah. some things about kind of specific topics, and that's my expertise. Well, my ears just getting sorted. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and so I can answer questions yeah. if you want to know about those things. Yeah. If you want to know about other things, well, I'm probably going to go, you know, do some research, find a YouTube video. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's how you machine that thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now I can answer that. Real-time problem solving. Like, that's the thing people don't want to do that. Like, uh, I don't know how to do that. Well, can you figure out how to do it or do you need to, someone to help you to figure out how to do it? Right. And that's the thing people don't want to admit a lot of the time. Like, I don't know how to do a lot of things. You know, I have this debate with my wife because she's for whatever reason, very good at problem solving and mm -hmm. finding a solution to problem. And one of the things she's good at, which is a skill in its own that a lot of people don't think is, is knowing how to ask the right question. Mm. And a lot of times people don't know how to ask the right question. So the whole no question is stupid. It's like, well, first of all, I don't believe that some questions are just ridiculous as far as like, hey, I just spent three hours answering that question and you were not listening, so you're an ass for ans even asking that question. Versus, hey, I, I don't really understand what you're talking about. Can you help me understand it? And if you're yeah. a good teacher, you will. Um, or you'll give them the resources or the paths. But people forget 
you don't know, if you don't know how to ask the right question. Sometimes, in order to ask the right question, you actually have to have a surprisingly amount of base knowledge in other things just to ask the right question. I find a lot of scientists or experts or politicians or citizens are just asking the wrong questions, and then they're shocked why they aren't getting what they wanted. Yeah, like you know, I'm sure if you ever had a conversation where someone's asking you a question and you answer it. And they're like, that's not what I wanted. And you're like, okay, well, so the correct thing to do if you care is to start inquiring about well, what, what, do you you, want? what do you want? And a lot of people won't do that because they just get frustrated because they don't know how to ask the question to yeah. get what they want. Well, it's also something I see a lot in design yeah. and everything else, else like that. Like if somebody comes to me with a problem or a thing they want me to do, I am not going to be able to give you a solution that's just like out of the box, ready to go. Yeah. My job is to, as you say, sit there and ask the right questions. Like, and it usually comes down to who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. Like, uh, who's going to use this? Yeah. And <laughs> what training do they have? Yeah. Uh, where is this going to be? Like, are you going to put this in a radioactive environment? Because that changes what materials you can use. Yeah. Uh, why do you need to do this? Why is it actually really important? Yeah. Because a lot of times, there'll be a project like, oh, okay, we need to build this like really complicated thing that's able to be remotely retracted and all this stuff, all these intricate systems. Okay, why? Yeah. Well, we want to be able to replace this. Yeah, but how many times in its life cycle are you going to need to do that? Ideally, once. So you want me to build like this automated retraction system for a single use? That's that's insane. All yeah. you need to do is just actually just take apart this thing. Yeah. Because that, it, otherwise I'm just going to spend millions of dollars of time and effort designing a really cool system and it'll work great. But you didn't need to do that. Yeah. And but if I didn't ask why you needed it and yeah. why that was a motivating factor, I just wasted millions of dollars. Because I thought it was cool, bro. <laughs> and cool. I love designing cool things. They're awesome. Um, but it's also part of my job to step in and be like, you don't need to do that. Yeah. You absolutely do not. I can make that work with a piece of sheet metal with four holes in it. Yeah. <laughs> like. I know this is cool. I know you think like 3D printing will solve all your problems, which is fuck. I love that. Yeah. Everyone wants to 3D print. Well, everything. so yeah. Why? What's wrong with 3D printing? Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, it's also, for example, if you want to make a chamber that holds vacuum pressure. Yeah. Uh, 3D printing is not really your best bet. Yeah. Because unless you get very expensive components, yeah. uh, they tend to be porous. Yeah. Which, if you put them in vacuum, means you get constant outgassing, which mm -hmm. fucks with your vacuum. If you want to contain vacuum within them, it means, well, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. it's, it's full of holes. Yeah. In some cases, it, it does work better. Like, uh, for example, when you order a big piece of aluminum, it might have voids in it. Yeah. And if you're using that to manufacture a vacuum chamber, yeah. you might discover that there's just a hole yeah. straight through it that you can't see, but it's big enough to allow air, and you're fucked. Yeah. Um, it's very application specific. It might be that 3D printing is the best thing for this application. And for hobbyists, like if you want to, I don't know, build drones and you want to build like these little lightweight pieces out of ABS or whatever, yeah. absolutely go to it. You, you don't need it. All the other machine shop stuff, like, yeah, don't bother getting a mill or a lathe or all this crap. Yeah. Get a 3D printer because your application doesn't need things made out of steel, aluminum all these other materials yeah 
but if you want to do like fairly complicated high strength like specific application stuff usually you don't need the 3d print yeah like I, I can make you a pretty sturdy thing out of something like sheet metal with just like a ro- set of rollers and a nice press yeah that takes skill not everyone has that so they like the 3d well print. i mean it's not like i have a huge amount of knowledge here but i'm yeah. willing to watch youtube videos until i understand and then mess around with some scrap metal and figure yeah. out how it works yeah that's like kind of everyone always wants what's the new thing what's the new thing it's like you don't exactly. always need a new thing sometimes what we had was just fine yeah you just needed a thing yeah how do I solve this problem? And then you find out some other culture had this uh, the solution the whole time. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, and that's that's where the broader knowledge base comes in. You're yeah. so, you should have just be curious and like be willing to admit you're wrong and don't know things. Yeah, because I don't know a lot of things. I don't know a lot about my current job, honestly. I'm figuring it out as I go. Well, like I didn't study uh, the spectrum of light. The various ways that solar absorbers work and yeah. all this other stuff i've learned that on the job and yeah. i've been willing to learn it and yeah, yeah sure now i'm talking about learning to code yeah now i can code in python because yeah. it's an easy way to do data analysis yeah. fantastic sure let's put that into that let it run and i can do other things hilariously lex friedman was just saying it's the best place to start if you want to learn to code python oh yeah python's great yeah like just tells you what i've never used it so I have it no tells you what's wrong and it's very accessible yeah and yeah i've also learned c plus plus which is like it's annoying honestly that's why i don't do it because that's when i tried to take programming classes like a long time ago they were using i'm like nope i'm out i'm not not a tedious enough type person to want to sit there and yeah and i mean i'm I'm just learning this like by downloading visual visual studio and watching youtube videos like here's how you do it okay that makes sense thank you yeah well i think that again it's just be curious as you said figure out how stuff works if you're open-minded you can be placed into a lot of places and just figure it out as you go and you will make mistakes you will fuck up all the time just own that and just move forward yeah don't linger on oh i fucked up it's like "Ah, i fucked up i won't do that again yeah i think that's a a good place to end be curious you will fuck up deal with it uh, is there anything we didn't talk about you wanted to talk about still, or is that good? No, I'm good. Right, and you don't exist on the internet, so I won't put it That is entirely <laughs> fine. I'm, I'm good with being a ghost. Yeah. Y'all can fuck off. Yeah, sounds about right. Oh, yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks yeah. for having me. You're listening to The Warriors Day. The Warriors Day. Brought to you by Urban Tactics Krav Maga, turning lambs into lions.